This episode of the Big Damn Cast is rated L for lots of bloody swearing. Enjoy! But maybe. Oh. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to the Big Damn Cast here on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Pop culture podcast all about nerdy news, geeky gossip, and stuff to keep your brain occupied until we all shuffle off this mortal coil. I or am. Pushed. Yeah. <laughs> that is also a possibility. I am Chris. Whoever has the gold makes the rules. Johnson. And I am Matthew Street Rat Watson. I don't buy that. Uh. But I thought you had all the gold and made all the rules. That's very true. So you can afford to buy it. Yes. Why are we quoting Aladdin? We just felt like it. But also we've seen the live action 2019 remake of the Walt Disney Classic. Aladdin 2019. Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. Yeah. Uh, If you want to know what we thought about it, spoiler filled, of course, stick around because we'll be talking about it later in the podcast. Also, the main topic of the day is Walt Disney Animation Picktiers, which is the best. What do we all think? What are your faves? You've been getting in touch a lot to let us know. So we're going to be going through all of your emails and tweets at the same time whilst we try to deliberate what is the greatest of the animated Walt Disney canon. And also try and keep our fingers out of this dog's mouth. Yeah, Minnie's on the offensive today. But you know else was on the offensive? What? Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor! Or as it's correctly pronounced, Sarah Connor. She's going hunting. Yeah. She's a hunter. A Terminator. It doesn't work. Terminator, Terminator. Terminator 3, 2. Terminator. The Dark Fate came uh, out with the trailer this no, week. Terminator, no, it's not. It's Terminator 2, 3. Oh, right. <laughs> Wait, what? Terminator, Terminator 2, 2. Terminator 2.5. Terminator, Terminator 4? Lion King 1 and a half. Terminator, Terminator cubed. <laughs> That'd be a great title. But they don't go for that. So this is the new Terminator movie coming out this November. Terminator 6. Yeah, well. 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 Terminator well. 3. Because it's pretending that Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, Terminator um, Salvation and Terminator Genesis never happened. Much in the way... Actually, yeah. Genesis pretends that Salvation never happened. I guess. Yeah, we were talking about this before we recorded that not many film series, but an increasing number... I've started making films that discount or ignore previous entries completely. So, um, Neil Blomkamp's Alien 5 project was apparently going to ignore Resurrection. And and quite possibly Alien 3, yeah. Um, We've had it with Halloween. Halloween did it twice. (laughs) Once within the original run and with the 2018 version. Forgetting that all the sequels existed. Um, We've had it with... Uh, but but what was the other one that hit us like a ton of bricks? Superman, Superman Returns, pretend Superman. That might be the first one. No, Halloween did it first. Uh, TMNT 
is a backdoor fourth film in the in the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. What? Yeah, but pretends that the events of those movies didn't necessarily happen as as is. The giveaway is the trophy room at the end. When you see Splinter putting the thingy from the, the King's helmet or whatever in there, there is stuff from the villains and characters from the previous three uh, movies. Uh, yeah. So that's also why the foot are all about Shredder is returning. Because, uh, yeah. But the thing is, you have to suspend your disbelief that Shredder's returning because Shredder got killed in, like, crushing, staggering amounts of weight being put on him or, like, crushing machines twice. So you kind of have to be like, yeah, whatever. But this film is... A third Terminator set 20-ish years after the events of T2. However many years it's been since Terminator 2, that's how many it's been since... T2's set in 97, isn't it? No, I think it's set in 91. Is it? Yeah. Judgment Day is supposed to happen in 97. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so T2 is... Oh my god, technically then, this is the fourth film if you count Terminator 2, The Ride. Terminator which is 2, a film. Battle Through Time. Yeah, oh. or whatever it's called. Something like that. Something it's about on, stuff. It's on Edward Furlong's IMDb, because I had to look up his IMDb, because I thought he was dead. There's a T1 million in it, <coughs> which is a giant Matrix-like squid thing. Wow. And it's in 3D! Or it was wow. until the Terminator, uh, the Transformers ride replaced it in California, and nothing so far has replaced it in Florida, except they have still closed it. But uh, all that aside, Boo. I think this trailer says nothing much other than, hey, look at our bona fides. James Cam- producer James Cameron returns as the graphic slowly reveals, almost as though they're saying, yeah, those last two, forget forget those. Forget those guys. Forget, forget them. In fact, forget the third one while you're at it. Um, I think this film is making a very big statement about women in vest tops. Yeah. Vest top sales. If this film is a success, vest top sales are going to go through the roof, especially tough. for the over sixties with beefy arms. Tough looking women in vest tops. Yeah, because Linda Hamilton it. is back. She is for, back for the first time since the Terminator ride. She's as back Sarah Connor for the first time since the last time. <laughs> uh, which is great, and again, it's continuing the sort of tradition of uh, the horror heroines of the eighties coming back in force. But also, what was the last thing uh, Linda Hamilton was in? She's not been in... Oh! <laughs> she's, in a, she's in a Terminator film, so Fuck far, like, me! Here's the thing. We all talk about Terminator like it's a prestigious franchise, but it's not. It's two good films and that's it. Yeah. That is it. That is all Terminator is. Um, oh, she has been doing stuff pretty steadily. Hmm. Not very much. Met her, oh. at, met her at convention oh. once. She was great. She's in a film called Bermuda Tentacles. Shut up. When Air Force One goes down over the Bermuda Triangle, the Navy sends its best rescue team. But in saving the president, the team awakens a monster which threatens America's entire eastern seaboard and ultimately the world. Is it a giant squid? I would imagine so. I'm 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 gonna find that. I'm gonna find a copy of Bermuda Tentacles. <laughs> Fuck me. With tentacles. I've seen enough hentai to know where this is wow. going. Wow. Um Linda Hamilton's back. That's made the main selling point for me. Arnie's in it. But Arnie's been in them all. That's not the selling point for me anymore, yeah. Because he made a CGI cameo in Salvation. Yeah. He flat out plays two Terminator characters, I remember, from rightly in Genesis. Like a younger one and the older model. Yeah. Um, Again, with CGI helping him recreate his young... Which apparently is in this as well. Appearance. Oh, yeah, because the time travel stuff as well, isn't it? In, in Genesis, but... Yeah. Um... I, I are you excited from this trailer? I 
I don't know if I I'm... Fu- I feel like I don't give a shit about the Terminator franchise. I don't know if I'm excited, but I'm not like... I'm looking at them going, oh, yeah, this could be all right. I mean, it looks like we have a Terminator assassin going after someone. Standard. Yeah. We have a Terminator or at least augmented character protecting them. Yeah. Standard. Um, since the second one, I guess, because that's basically the formula of the first one, but with robots, added <laughs> robots. But it looks like the, the Terminator that's been sent to kill the person this time is an exoskeleton, sorry, an endoskeleton, whatever it's called, with a liquid Terminator extension, like, covering. That was what Christiana Logan was in Terminator 3. Was that what she was? Yeah. Ah, well, it's just more of the same, The, the TX. More of the same. Oh, yeah, because they wanted, they wanted to see... A Terminator endoskeleton that had curves, yo. Yeah, the Terminatrix. Ugh. Oh, God. Just, ugh. Good honour. She probably earned a lot from that film, but still. Yeah, and then she did two Blood Rain films with Uwe Ball. Well, hey, work is work. I take it. Uwe Ball? I'd be a great Blood Rain. <laughs> you just imagine me in skin-tight leather with a revealing cleavage and... Bladed tonfers. Why do I need to imagine? That's how you dress for this recording. Oh, yes. Oh, matey. I know, but I need to paint a picture for the listeners. Ooh. Paint a picture of your thoughts of Terminator Dark Fate, because my thoughts so far are just... Yeah. Looks like it might be alright. Yeah. Tim Miller directing. So, hopefully it'll be a decent action flick. It, it's... Tough to know because when Tim Miller and Ryan Reynolds apparently parted ways in the pre-production of Deadpool two due to creative differences, we were all like, "Oh shit!" And then Deadpool two came out and was pretty damn great. It's like, "Oh, was Tim Miller?" I don't know. I'm still a bit sour on Deadpool two. Really? That's just yeah. because that's just because you're straight shirt cocking it. That's why. Eh. <laughs> Most of the time. Nah, it's because you're disappointed they killed off Peter. Oh, Peter. Sweet, sweet he survived Peter. in the mid credits. Sweet, sweet Peter. He survived in the mid credits. Too good for this world. <laughs> so also too good for this world. What? Any other news? Because not much happened this week. I can't bother talking about any of it. Sod it. We want to talk about happiness. We've got too many emails and tweets to talk about. Here's the thing, folks. Disney. We've talked about Disney before on this podcast, mostly due to movie news and stuff about conglomerates and monopolies and it's never necessarily been good stuff because we tend to talk about Disney as the bidnez. The bidnez. We're not fans of monopolies. We don't think thousands of people should lose their jobs due to acquisitions that um, aren't necessary except for the capitalist growth of one company and we also don't agree with the fact that means there's going to be less movies released a year from different voices and filmmakers. Yeah, that's not good. However, as fans of films... I think we could probably undeniably agree. We tend to be pretty big fans of 90% of the output Disney has made Film over the years. As a company, as its subsidiaries like Touchstone and, and Miramax and all that. Like we've had, even Minnie agrees with the squeeze toy. We've had a damn good time with the films made by or distributed by Disney. Um, and as such, and of course as the Aladdin remake has come out this past week, we thought, why not take the time... To dive back at, dive right back at, sir, into the wealth of Walt Disney Motion Pictures and discuss what our favourites are, what our least favourites are, uh, favourite songs, favourite characters, favourite annoying forced in sidekick post Robin Williams. Um, I don't know what you mean. 
And to keep it simple, we're going to focus on what is known as Walt Disney Pictures, which is specifically Walt Disney Animation Studios, Walt Disney Pictures. The animated is, canon. Is. Yeah, the main animated studio in Burbank. So these are the 56? I think it's 56. We've got off the American numbering, so there's one additional in America. So the UK numbering. 57 films. 57. As of Ralph Breaks the Internet. 57 ah, Walt Disney movies. I completely forgot about Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah, well, see, Ralph feels like a Pixar, I think. Yeah. I think I think it's I think it's easy to forget which films are the current Walt Disney Pictures movies because they're all CG now. Yeah. So it's sort of a shame in a way, but that doesn't mean that there aren't diamonds in that rough. Um, so before we go on to talk about Aladdin later on, check the time codes for that filth. Check. The Tim Codes. Bows of Holly. We're also going to be sporadically reading out your emails and tweets about Disney as well as we go. Uh, Matt's on the emails, I'm on the tweets. Um, I'm on the emails. Let's start by just ploughing through some some dank-ass shit. Dank memes. No no memes, please. The first film released by Disney, Walt Walt Disney Animation Animation Studios in 1937 is, of course, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. When was the last time you watched that? 1957. Oh my god, it's <laughs> on its 20th anniversary re release. Beautifully done. Um, I've not watched I it for a donkey's age. I don't remember the last time I watched Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. I purposely had to avoid it last year because I was writing Snow White the Pantomime. Oh, so yeah, I had yeah. to avoid the Disney one and having it in my mind um, for specifics because Disney are litigious as all hell when it comes to adaptations. Well, yeah, you can't use their dwarf names, can you? No. Well, when it comes to adaptations of works that they either created or are best known for versions of, they they are very litigious. Yeah. Um, they, they're, always, they're always careful to include original elements that are easily trademarkable so that if you try and adapt a story that's public domain that they've done a version of, then you have to be very careful not to use those elements, which tend to be the most recognisable elements of that adaptation. And yeah. therefore are associated with it even beyond Disney. Yeah. But which is interesting because so many of their animated canon and biggest name pictures are adaptations. Yeah. Sometimes of liter- literative works, not just folk tales. I think it was the early on, it was the case that... And it was... Good old Walt, um, legitimizing animation as a feature-length format. Yeah. Oh, well, and Snow using White and well-known stories. The first yeah. animated feature-length um, thing to exist. Using well-known stories was probably a way to do that. Yeah. The Brothers Grimm fairy tale, of course. Uh, this one, I remember as a kid, this was one of my lesser favorites. What's I that? think just because Snow White, just because of um, as I was growing up. Like, we grew up during the Disney Renaissance, mm-hmm. which began sort of unofficially with Rescuers Down on... Uh, no, uh, unofficially with Rescuers Oliver and Company, officially with The Little Mermaid and Rescuers Down Under, and carried on through till Tarzan, which is sort of deemed like the end of the Renaissance. Rescuers Down Under is pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty damn solid. And, and again, it's it's the Iron Man 2 of the Disney Renaissance. Like, yeah. it's good enough to carry it over before they hit you with Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes! Um... But Snow White was sort of, because of that, we grew up to the Renaissance, that was the style I was into. So Snow White was sort of my lesser visited of the classics as a kid. But you can't deny its impact on popular culture and animation. And also, holy shit, Evil Queen's pretty damn scary. Mm. <laughs> like, she's the first proper freaky Disney villain. What does she rate on your Disney villain scale? I mean, she's an Evil Queen, she's Just- obsessed with beauty... 
She disguises herself as a terrifying hag and tries to poison a lady just because she's like, you're fitter than me, I'm going to poison you. Yeah, but by virtue of, of Snow White being so low down my fit my go-to Disney films, I can't, I can't think she rates very highly because I just don't think about her. She also has one of the sort of most... Because Disney villain deaths are great. We'll talk about that as well. It's got an, it's got an entire TV trope page to itself. Yeah, well, she she gets thingy not uh, killed by a boulder that's dropped from the, the, the cliff face by lightning. I mean, that's how you go out. You know what I'm saying? It's mean, <laughs> one way. <laughs> the second Walt Disney animated f- was Pinocchio. Now, it, Pinocchio was... I have more memories of. Pinocchio's dark as hell. Yeah. Um, also based on a book based yes. on the adventures of Pinocchio yes. by Carlo Collodi. Everyone remembers that. Oh, it's horrible. All the stuff on Pleasure Island is horrific. Yeah. The, the transformation to a donkey, um, uh, the monstro stuff, being in the whale. Yeah. It's freaky, but again, it introduces the idea of like the, the charming mascot of the film sidekick with Jimmy Cricket. Yeah. Um, some beautiful visuals from the Blue Fairy. The way the Blue Fairy is animated is gorgeous. Geppetto is a proper lovely sort of like caricature, you know, a silhouette for these characters. This is when they started to really create, I think the dwarves definitely had it, but they create distinct silhouettes. One thing you can say yeah. about Disney, Walt Disney animation characters is you could just show us their silhouette and you could go, oh my God, that's such a body. Yeah. Like they all have such distinct designs and shapes. Absolutely. Um, songs as well. I got no strings to hold me down. Make me free. Make me free. I had things, but now I'm free. There are no strings on me. Ultron, 2015. Um, I, you know what? It's I want to revisit it. I've not seen it in years. I remember it freaking me out. I've not seen a lot of these in years. I, watching Disney films is not something I get to do very often. Well, I don't have a lot of them. Well, earlier on we were talking about them, and you said this one doesn't count as a Disney film, or as a film. But I beg to differ, sir. It's a cultural experience. The third film... It's Fantasia! It's a music video! It's the first music video. It's a fucking music video! <laughs> it's an operetta. It's not a film! It's an operetta. Yeah, yeah. Full of so many different sequences, but most notably, of course, is the Sorcerer's Apprentice sequence, uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice sequence in the middle, with uh, Mickey and Yensid, the great wizard Yensid, and the brooms. He's not named Yensid in No. He's only named Yensid in Kingdom Hearts. I thought he was named Yensid afterwards. Like, whenever they spoke of the character in official media, they referred to him as Yensid. Yeah, but that started with Kingdom Hearts. Really? What a weird thought that he didn't have a name for, like, 70 years. I think. If that's the case, that is a long time to get a name. I'm going to look it up while you talk us through a Disney classic that actually matters the shit. All right. Really? You know what the next one is, right? No. Dumbo. Oh, skip it. I think Dumbo is beautifully animated, but it, it, it was never one of my faves as a kid. Um, although I do admire the balls on them for the Pink Elephants on Parade sequence, in hindsight. That's pretty ballsy. Mm. Your main character and his talking mouse friend get absolutely bladdered and hallucinate. Okay, fair enough. Although, some pretty bad aged depictions of certain stereotypes and racial racial observations, but... Whatevs, it's pretty beautiful. And it's based on Dumbo the Flying Elephant, uh, the American Roller Book by Helen Aberson. Next one's Bambi. We're sticking yes. with the talking animals, mate. This again is visually beautiful, based on the Australian novel by Felix Salton, Bambi, A Life in the Woods. Oh, yes. Oh, no, Yensid, by the way, was... Um, it was a good name given to him when he was originally animated, but it didn't appear in ancillary media for a while. Ah, meats. But yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, Bambi. Yeah. The film where the villain 
is man. <laughs> um, this this is the film that broke a thousand hearts and continues to do so to this day, isn't it? Like with the opening sequence, this is sort of seen as the the go to film in all of popular culture for oh god yeah that's the child film that's the childhood film that scarred me, and I, I don't blame him. Like, Especially you're a little kid, it's important. It's a big thing, man. Speaking now, not not till Transformers the movie did another film even do it on that level. Also, you can call me Flower if you want to. There's a thing in Walt Disney Studios in Paris, Disneyland Paris, the second park, uh, where you can look at animation and there's a bit where you can dub scenes. Oh. So teaching you about voice acting and it's short sequences and the lines come up and you can do it in your own voice and then you play it back and you watch it. And one of them is that sequence. I remember oh. in 20, uh, 2005, 2006, me and my dad were there and we dubbed that scene and we just gave like Flower the most gruff, horrible voice we could think of. You can call me Flower. Call me Flower. If you want to. It's really freaky. Also, Thumper, the sidekicks are in full force by this point. Um, Saludos Amigos. I've never seen. That is... What the uh, fuck is that? This, my friend, is Saludos Amigos. Recognise someone? Oh, that's Donald! Little Donald Duke! Um, (laughs) The second of the Disney characters to appear in one of the big films. Uh, Saludos Amigos is a musical celebration uh, that is an original, completely an original. Uh, Spanish for greetings, friends. Uh, it's made up of four different segments. Donald Duck stars in two of them. Goofy stars in one. It features the first appearance of Jose uh, Carioca, the Brazilian cigar-smoking parrot. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Walt Disney uh, decided to make another film about Latin America... The Three Caballeros to be produced two years later. At 42 minutes, it's the shortest of the Animation Studios canon. What's all they do with Amigos? Yeah, and it's technically just four shorts, basically. Two years later, The Three Caballeros was the follow-up, um, which again features your boy Don. Don't see them on DVD very often, do you? These, have, as far as I'm aware, these have not had a commercial release for decades. Why are they in the canon then? Outside of the upcoming massive box set that is uh, on its way, which may also contain some of the more controversial releases as well. Oh, yes. Um, of course. But yeah, uh, the film is plotted as a series of self contained segments strung together by the device of Donald Duck opening birthday gifts from his Latin American friends. Uh, several Latin American stars of the period. Um, appear throughout the film was produced as part of the studio's goodwill message for south america so it's a mixture of animation uh, live action and a bunch of other stuff but it, it's in there it's in the canon the next one are you ready matt here's a well-known one that you've definitely heard of yeah make mine music what <laughs> make my music is as you can imagine another series of shorts and concert films but you'll like have shit def- we we wear game you'll have definitely seen a section of it at some point, whether you realise it or not, you'll have seen it either as a clip or you'll have seen it in a whole because the Peter and the Wolf section... Oh, fuck me! Yeah, has been featured in, like, Disney specials, Disney afternoons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so at this point, they're focusing more on creating... Um, what's it? They're creating uh, whole pieces that are... Um, minute! Contained as compilations. Not to be confused with Minnie Mouse, boys and girls. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Minnie and Mickey Mouse, the next film is fun and fancy free. Again, segments. And you're thinking, what? But so what are you telling seen, me? Have is you that s- a good chunk of the Disney canon are not actually films? Nope, but have you seen Mickey and the Beanstalk? The fuck are you talking about? Have you seen Mickey and the no! Beanstalk? No! I saw Mickey and the Beanstalk. That is part of that one. That got out in the 90s. On ni- the 90s, they released a lot of Mickey shorts on VHS. 
that like sort of 20 minute films that turns out were segments from these films so parts oh. of them have been released. I think we time. can skip those then. Well, then you don't want to talk about Melody Time. No, I don't want to talk about <laughs> Melody. I'm not talking Melody Time. The, the, the film, the, the music of, video, the Legend of Johnny Appleseed, and all of its no. other shorts. All right. Well, what about probably the most well known from that period in terms of modern um, uh, sort of recollection? The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which again is too short. It's Winnie the Willows and Sleepy Hollow, but yes, but usually distributed on their own as part of compilations or event nights on broadcasting. But they were released as a double bill. Um, I never seen those. I've seen. Remember seeing back when the Morrison's up by the precinct was a Safeway. Yes. Oh my god. I remember. I remember that they had a bunch of Disney read-along book on books and tapes. And one of them was was uh, Ichabod. Ichabod. Yeah, the the the, the sleepy hollow section. Yeah, um, I think they referred to it as the Adventures of Ichabod in every iteration, even though it should just be Sleepy Hollow. But yeah, yeah. Are you ready to move on to the big boys? Oh, please, for the love of Christ! Beautiful. Can we leave the musical compilations behind and never speak of them again? Maybe. Okay. I shall not say if there are any more. No, there's definitely number more. twelve is Cinderella, released in nineteen fifty. Based obviously on the French fairy tale by Charles Perrault. This shit's classic. What more can you say? It's beautiful. It's it's stunning and has had probably more re-releases than any other Disney movie. 1957 was its second release. 65, 73, 81, and 87. I think that's the biggest cinematic like, runs. It's timeless. People often. I think people real. Most people really think of this as the first proper Disney film. Yeah. And it's because it's the archetype. A lot of the tropes start here. The Disney princess. Yeah, that's where the formula sort of came in. The boohist specific villain or villains. Yeah. Um, the gorgeously animated set pieces in dazzling technical. I mean, the entire Bibbity Bobbity Boo sequence is stunning. Yeah. It's so good. Your animal sidekicks are in full force now because we've got human characters. So you've got Gus Gus and, and all the little mice and everybody running around. Um, the cat, can you remember what, because the villain of this is Lady Tremaine and her, uh, her daughters, um, Anastasia and Drizella. <laughs> can, <laughs> can you remember what, uh, the cat is called? Doug Naylor. Very funny. No, <laughs> the cat, <laughs> you bugger. The cat is Lucifer. Oh. Yeah. And is voiced, so the noises the cat makes, is June Foray. <laughs> yeah. Ah, very nice. Yeah, freaking uh, Rocky. Yeah. Uh, like, it's, it's, yeah. it's the voice of Lucifer the Cat, which I never sure, knew. Sure, why the fuck not? <laughs> Cinderella's beautiful, and it's, it's known, I think it's still thought of a lot, especially in the UK, because obviously Cinderella's adapted for pantomimes. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. It's and, probably and common, theatres. Uh, family theatre show so you know Cinderella has definitely stood it's stood almost the go to fairy tale yeah it is also it's not as dark as the grim stuff but it's the dark st- the dark stuff's very human yeah it's not a sinister force it's a, it's horrible people yeah um, but also it, it's got it's got one of the more aged things of you know like uh, you know oh right she meets a prince and then he falls in love with her because she's fit and that's it mm. and he's so superficial he only recognises her because of the shoe fit yeah, it's a fairy tale. It, these are stories meant to be told to very young children to entertain and educate them a bit. 
And as you get older, you look on them with fondness because you remember how they made you feel as a child. Yeah. If you're overanalyzing it, <coughs> Kira Knightley, then shut the fuck up. What? Kira Knightley does not let her children see any Disney movies prior to the 90s stuff. And even then, she's got problems with some of the 90s stuff. Sure. Because she doesn't think it should teach them, like, about how love shouldn't work that way. And it's like, wait, you, no, don't let the movies teach your kids, Kira. You should know that. You work in films. They're not educational tools first and foremost. Yeah, let her get on with it. Do it. Let her do what she wants. Kristen Bell does it as well, apparently. She's got the same beef. Eh. Didn't she play a character who falls in love with someone immediately and that's the whole point? That's their character's biggest flaw? Listen, listen. Dax shows Liam in secret. All right. <laughs> Number 13. Yes. Would be a terrible place to leave it before we go on to the first round of emails, but it will be, because why not? Alice in Wonderland, 1951. Trippy as shit and less I, creepy than Lewis Carroll. I can't Alice, like this. Alice yeah. in Wonderland is based on Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, both written by Lewis Carroll. And holy shit, this one is a well, cultural touchstone. This is one of those, like, if you think of Alice in Wonderland, there is almost no other version of it that you will think of before this one. Oh, God, yeah. It is the version of Alice in Wonderland. You say Queen of Hearts to me and I see the big toady mouth, yeah. like, loud, aggressive, yeah. frightening character from The Caterpillar, this. the Cheshire Cat, oh, all those visuals. Sterling Holloway's The Cheshire Cat is yeah. brilliant casting. The, the, Proper spooky, whimsical voice. The Hatter he, he comes Alice up, he, herself. As you probably know, as you Disney Files, Sterling Holloway comes up a lot in the next decade's worth of Disney movies. But yeah, the Manhattan and the March Hare amazing mm. Alice beautifully done at this point rotoscoping is still being used so they're still using visual references for these films yes um, which a lot of animators use but Disney would sort of film and stage whole sequences and the animators would sit there and draw it as reference they'd film it and watch it back and a lot of those movements would be in there and at this point as well a lot of the actors uh, the voice actors for the parts would be the um, visual reference as well which is amazing when you think about it isn't it like is they, it they, they would no but like the actual the voice actor themselves <laughs> yeah. would stand in as the as the what's it this footage of edwin doing the mad well, it is it's almost a it's a precursor to modern motion capture really yeah which oh, ironically yeah. isn't actually used that much in traditional Disney animation animate, or, in, in yeah. Disney animated films it's more used in video games and other studios cgi properties yeah and it's much better than the rotoscoping of like the 80s was it was it was it called um Fire and something, that one that was like the Swords and Sorcery oh, adult animated movie that just looks weird. There's yeah. also the Bakshi Lord of the Rings was heavily rotoscoped. Yeah, well. that looks odd. That I don't think that I don't think that that scarier faithful type rotoscoping ages very well. I think it looks really weird. Mm. Whereas this is sort of more for reference. The characters have their own, as we said, silhouettes. Yes. And it, they use the actor's motion and, and, and movements as a reference point for it, which you'll see a lot today. There's a wonderful video doing the rounds on Twitter at the minute of one of the animators and her references for Peter and Miles scenes for Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. Like she shot herself and then... Um, she, as in filmed herself and then used that as the reference for their movements. It's like the, the, scene, in the, the scene in the Burger Diner and things like that. And it's like, that's great. Interesting. Animators are actors. Like, they are performers. And a good animator is a good actor. And a good actor can help complement animation. Um, as, yeah. we're, as we're doing for this. And it definitely works in Alice in Wonderland. It's so frantic and the background the use of black background and everything sort of like the forests and the, the, the woodland fading away i can, I can and... see the motion of it i can yeah. see the motion of 
Alice and the way her dress moves and the way her hair bobs. I can see that. Yeah. Because the white it's rabbit. so it's that little lump scurrying around. Because the animators captured the life so well, but just gave it that exaggerated tweak. Yeah. I can just I love I can a good still tweak. see all that now. Little oysters. Little oysters. All that stuff. It's just it's great. I love Alice in Wonderland. Uh and not just when high. Um Let's have a crack on an email. Let's see what a listener all right, all right. or potential um, listener has I said. I should say, I should say uh, that a, a lot of, because of the age of a lot of our listeners, they do tend towards the uh, the Renaissance era, Disney. <laughs> so with that, <laughs> uh, this one comes in from Jacob. He says, hello, cockers. Hello, Jacob. I went, uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> I went to see Lion last week. And I have to say, it was all right. Nothing to rave on about, though. It never felt big enough to me. The sets felt very small. About the question about the best Disney movie, though, I think it's Aladdin. OG Aladdin. <laughs> I think that's because I feel so much nostalgia what, the for it. the Thief and the Cobbler, the movie they nicked from? Yeah. There's so much nostalgia for it. Well, I mean, that's why they've remade it, because people feel nostalgia for the original. <laughs> all the songs and works of art. Robin Williams is one of the best voice actors of all time, in my opinion, and it feels so magical. Sounds cliche, I know. But every time I watch, the, watch it, the five-year-old in me comes out. Well... That's a scary party probably, trick. She probably let them more out more often. They need to get some sun. Does he go out um, through the chest? If so, you should uh, go as Kane from Alien for Halloween. Nice, nice. But yes, I think I, I have a feeling we're going to be seeing Aladdin a lot. A vote for Aladdin. Well, you talk about modern Molly McFadden. Lovely Molly McFadden. Hi, Molly. Miss Hi, you, Molly. Molly says, why would you put this kind of pressure on us in reference to us asking what the best one is? Sadists. Just because you are the one asking the question, I have to say. Moana, because Moana uh, very good. Molly and I met uh, during my time doing Cinderella in Lincoln a few years ago, and I saw Moana on a quiet afternoon of rehearsals where I wasn't needed, and I wept like a baby and convinced James from the cast to come and see it with me a week later because I was like, someone else has to see this and understand why I, a twenty-something, has just cried it's on my own good. in the cinema. Uh, Moana it's is good. bloody wonderful, but again, it's sort of it's a product of that Renaissance kind of way of approaching the movies. Um, and using sort of the, the cultural aspects as the flavour of the film. That's why I think it, going back to the pre-Renaissance Disney now is more of this is important culturally. Yeah. Because a lot of it, in terms of its sensibilities and the way, particularly the way it treats female characters and and, and characters of colour and things like that, it hasn't aged well. Mm. Whereas post is the Renaissance when they started thinking more about that sort of stuff because of the era that stuff was being made. So those films just they are necessarily more complex because they are thinking more about what they are doing, saying, how they're portraying. But, how certain um, things will age over time yeah. as well. But also but but because they've because they've taken that time to think and, and do, then the those films benefit from it. Yeah. In I ways th- that the older stuff doesn't. Oh, I think that the, the on defence of the older stuff, none of it ever comes from place of negativity or whatnot or stigma it is just because times have changed and i think that needs to be acknowledged absolutely that you know these things have aged badly Mm. because Mm. but none of it has ever come from those places um and also you can blame it on the source material like the next film the 14th in the walt disney pictures canon yeah is peter pan of course, based on yeah. the uh, the pre- the play Peter Pan and the novel Peter and Wendy by J.M. Barrie. Um, 
we're getting into the the villain territory here as well now. Hook. Hook is one of the great pathetic villains. Mm. He's a threat and he's menacing, but he's foppish. And, you know, he's he's lower on the food chain of Neverland. Like, he's the feared dread pirate, but he's scared of that crocodile. That nearly yep. ate him once before and, and ate the clock. And he keeps getting pumped by a the... bunch of kids. Yeah. <laughs> in, in animal onesies. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Fucking too right. Um, Peter Pan, again, a classic story. Uh, there's some really nice visual gags in this. All the shadow stuff at the beginning is wonderful. Yeah. This is where the songs, I think, really start to pop. Like, You Can Fly, for example. Yeah, I see, I've not seen Peter Pan for so long that I can't hear any of the songs in my head. You can't hear any of them? No. Nope. You Can Fly? Nope. Never Smile Like Crocodiles, never a full song, it's just a tune? Nope. Okay. Uh, 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 I'm blanking. Yep, so but, um, <clears throat> Which is weird, because like, you've probably not seen Pinocchio in a million years, have you? No. But you can hear uh, When You Wish Upon a Star. Yes. Because that's the signature Disney song. That is the signature. The point Disney where song. the Walt Disney Pictures banner is. Da, 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 da. Um, Peter Pan again is sort of a staple of British culture. Do you know which film isn't a staple of British culture, What's but that? is also the next one to be getting a live action remake Uh-oh. Um, later this year? Number 15, Lady and the Tramp. Oh yeah, that's a Disney Plus thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the come to Disney Plus selling points, and I'm like, no, 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 use the use the Mandalorian yeah. and your MCU shows as you sell, and access to the entirety of your back catalogue. Yeah. Use that as a selling point. Lady in the Tramp's okay. It's fine. Oh, this is the night. Yeah, that's oh, that's a pretty beautiful good. night. I, there are moments from Lady in the Tramp that have become iconic, like the like the, the he's the, a tramp, but they love him. Breaks a new heart every day. Yeah. Um. Again. This is the point where they've perfected animal characters being so beautifully done that they emote like crazy. Sometimes better than the human characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, it also has an incredibly accidentally racist song with the Siamese cat. Yes. Lady of the Tramp's Beautiful and has become one of the most iconic visual moments in all of popular culture, Western popular culture. Yeah. Which is the spaghetti moment. Yeah. You say to somebody, think of a film with spaghetti in it, the first thing they'll think of is that moment from Lady in the Tramp. It's so bloody cute. Which is ironic because spaghetti bolognese is probably the least romantic meal you could ever consume. You've not had my spaghetti bolognese. Hey, hey, hey! Actually, actually you have. You have owned it. And you introduced me to the concept of putting a very thin slice of mozzarella on top of your garlic bread and sticking it back in the oven for five minutes. That's what you do. Oh, damn it. Why didn't we get married? It wasn't legal at the time. Oh, yeah. And then the moment passed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the sex was dreadful to be yeah, fair. yeah yeah she didn't um, know where I put it did you we're both we're both triers <laughs> I'll give us that um, do you know what else is a trier <laughs> fucking hell Sleeping Beauty number 16 this is the most metal of the original this run. is the one I can see the Prince Charming from this in my head yeah whenever I think of Disney Prince I always think of Prince Charming from Aurora slash Briar Rose is one of the most gorgeously rendered leads in a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. She is beautiful as an animated character, as like, a, oh my god, that is an objectively stunning individual. Oh, they're a cartoon. Now I'm sad. And the spinning wheel as well. The spinning wheel. The spinning wheel um, is a is a is a stick in your mind. The crows, the thorns, but let us not forget the greatest Disney villain of them all. 
Shut up, everybody. Listen and hear me out. Maleficent. Nope. Actual Maleficent. Not live-action Maleficent. Not House of Mouse Kingdom Hearts Maleficent. Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty Maleficent. And I'll tell you why. Maleficent is an all-powerful, essentially she-devil-like Wiccan creature. Great cheekbones. Who's amazing cheekbones. Wonderful dress sense. Great voice. So much shows she's the same voice actor who played um, Lady Tremaine in Cinderella. Um, Yeah, okay. What's the actor's name? She's amazing. Um, She is... Eleanor Audley who made such an impact in Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. She's also the voice of Madame Leota in every Haunted Mansion attraction. That is the head suspended in the crystal ball. Okay. The chance when you go around. And again, one of the best set pieces in those rides. Uh, played by the... We love her, but she's terrible in this also terrible movie. Uh, played by Jennifer Tilly in the Haunted Mansion film. Doesn't work the same. No. Um, but what ebbs. Uh, Maleficent is... All powerful, and yet, what does she do in this movie? And keep in mind, we don't see all of her life. What she does all the time, we just see what she does in relation to this kingdom. She's not invited to a kingdom that is well aware of her power. I mean, they've got three fairy, like sort of yeah, uh, 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 members of the kingdom, three fairies. So they know magic's a thing in this world. Yeah, she isn't invited to the christening of Baby Aurora. So rocks up, goes, "All right, you gonna be like that? That's cool." Here's my gift to her. At the age of 16, she's going to prick her finger on a spinning wheel. And then she's going to fall into an unending sleep. The next best thing to death. And all of y'all are going to fall into a sleep as well as a result. <laughs> so, see you in 16 years. Have fun. And then she pisses off. She pisses right off. Yeah. So what does the kingdom do? Destroy every spinning wheel and get rid of every single spindle and spinning wheel in the entirety of the kingdom. <coughs> Close to her 16th birthday, they freak out. So they take her away to be raised by the fairies with a different identity in a cottage in the woods. Completely separated from the kingdom. Yep. And yet, Maleficent still makes it happen. It still happens. She gets shit <coughs> Done. Castle gets covered in thorns. She's happy as Larry. Prince Philip rocks up. For that is his name. He's Larry. Well, he's not Philip. Philip rocks up. For that is his name. To take her on. Probably the most proactive Disney prince. Yeah. Like, sword, horse, into battle. I'm going to kill this witch and save everybody. Mm -hmm. Rocks up. And, oh, she's like, oh, yeah, oh, you want to kill her? That's cool. Yeah, I'm going to turn into a giant freaking dragon. She turns into a dragon, Matt. Yeah, there is that. She turns into a goddamn dragon. There is that. A Funko pops over there, and even that's kind of scary. Yeah, that is good. Maleficent is the Mac Daddy, sorry, the Mac Mommy of. She's the Yars Queen of the Disney villains. When we get to the 90s, we're going to meet a whole host of even more interesting right. ones, but she's the best. Major point. I'm going to make. You know, I've got 99 problems, but the Dalmatians ain't 101. Oh, 101 Dalmatians no. is the next one. <laughs> this is also on a lot of re releases, too. Yeah. Um. Based on 101 Dalmatians, the British novel by Dodie Smith. Uh, this has got, again, a great villain because she's, she's a petty. Wasn't it also She wants to murder and skin dogs for a coat. Wasn't it technically, technically the first one to get a live action version? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any others before that that had a live action adaptation by Disney, but I don't think there ever was. Not that I can think of. That's counted as the first one in like this run of them, absolutely. 101 Dalmatians. And also got a sequel. 
Um, yes. But again, we're getting, getting to, a prequel. We're getting to the music now. <laughs> Cruella Deville. Yes. Cruella Deville. She doesn't scare you. No evil thing. It's very good. Uh, Roger very good and Panita and Pongo and like every character in this. Again, Beaver Animated. Great evil sidekicks, Jasper and Horace. Mm-hmm. Um, Bumbling sidekick comedy double act. Scary ass looking villain. Like when Cruella's driving that car, oh, she looks yeah. frightening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a short and simple story. It's not. I wouldn't put it up there in their top tier. No, but it's like a beautifully executed bout of bizarreness. Top tier Disney are. But is this next one? Absolutely not. The eighteenth one is the Sword and the Stone. Sword and the Stone, of course, remember based it. on um, the Arthurian legends. It was also released with. Um, you ready for this? In 1963, it's re-released in 63. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, it's a 63 release. It came out in 63. It had a short attachment called The Lonesome Ghosts, which I'm sure I've seen in a compilation. And when it was re-released in 83, uh, it was Winnie the Pooh and A Day for Eeyore was attached to it. Oh. Which is, again, one of the loads of shorts from the Winnie the Pooh, which is lovely. Oh. But um, Sword in the Stone is a take on the Arthurian legend, uh, specifically like Arthur as a kid. Kid in a big baggy red shirt. Yeah, and Mad Madam Mim. <laughs> Um, there's a line I say from that regularly just because Lucy repeated it so much um, over the years that I just say it now, which is, damn it all, Pelinor. Because uh, um, why not? Oh, well, why not indeed? Uh, this one, again, is just funny, but it's kind of a, yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Um, there's a reason it's not um, beloved, because it's not worth beloving. Well, it might also be because the majority of uh, Walt Disney animation stu- animated studios were pouring their heart and soul into the film that came out a few years later, delayed because Walt died during the development of this film. Oh yeah, based on Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book. Yeah, it's The Jungle Book. Yeah, this is the first one I fell in love with as a kid. Yeah, I fucking love The Jungle Book, and it's it's every I aspect just of it. Adore it. It's the animation. It's the songs. It's yeah. the flipping tone. Yeah. It's not as dark as Kipling's books, but it still retains the danger element of the books, albeit through a very childish, we're having a lot of fun here prism. Well, what it does is it does so well is when you get into the peril towards the end. Yeah. With the lightning and the rainstorm and the fire, it's very chiaroscuro. Oh, God, yes. And, yeah. and it's, it's, the, it's yeah. the shadow and the suggestion. Of, of threat that makes it, especially to a child, where mm. darkness is still scary. Well, the children That's watching, it. Mowgli's is dumb as shit. Oh, yeah. Mowgli don't notice a damn yeah. thing. <laughs> like, yeah, Mowgli's just like, oh, what? I, I, I'm going to get, like, I'm going to end up being the, the, the bitch boy servant to a giant ape. King and his... not a not a chance. Oh, a snake's gonna eat me. Oh, I'll be fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the tiger wants to rip me apart. Yeah, that'll be cool. It's like you're an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> you're Mowgli. You're a damn idiot. Yeah. Um, but oh my god, every cast member of this thing, both the voice actor and the animal characters, phenomenal. Just so good. And this introduces again a lot of regulars. Like Sebastian Cabot is uh, Bagheera. Yeah. And it's a great performance. Uh, Phil Harris as Baloo, who now will recur and pop up several times going yes. forward. Um, Sterling Holloway returns this time as Car the Snake. 
Um, a character that was going to be a lot creepier when they were started. They wanted him to be a villain, but they thought oh, we might take him out because this is a bit too spooky. Yeah. Because initially it was just that one scene. The second yeah. one came later because they had a leftover song from Mary Poppins <laughs> called "The Land of Sand." Which they didn't use, and they retooled the Sherman Brothers retooled it into "Trust in Me." Oh, um, which they then went. This is actually a bit too creepy because they did a test screening, and people went, "That snake bit was funny." So they went, "Well, I guess we'll add another bit with him in." And more snake, which was good for George Sanders too, because he was like, "Oh, can I have another scene then?" Because <laughs> obviously, you get, that really, you get that really funny bit between him and Shere yeah. Khan. So he's like, "Oh, I get paid as well. This is great." But Sterling Holloway did the character with a lisp, but they went, "That's actually kind of funny." Not yet. So, well done. Uh, Louis Prima and his band as King Louis, the only original character in this, and uh, oh. and, and and his band playing the music for uh, I Want to Be Like You, which is hands down one of the best. Disney- I mean, this one, I think this is yeah. one of the most pre-Renaissance, consistently yeah. banging soundtracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. So, so, so as we said, friend like, uh, friend like me, that's like, uh, I Want to Be Like You. Trust in me. Bare necessities. Bare necessities. That's what friends are for, which is hilarious. My own home, which is not a banger, but it's still like this hauntingly it's, beautiful the, piece the, of music. It's the melodies that have just stuck in your head. Yeah. Oh, this, is the, this is the first one where you can go back and go, oh, actually the whole thing is just... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The Vultures, again, that's another interesting story. That was There was going to be another sequence of the Rhino called Rocky, I think it was. Which then showed up on animatics, which showed up on the 40th anniversary DVD. Yeah. Um, but uh, and was he, he, that character is loosely put back into the live action one. There was a rhino briefly, wasn't oh, there? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that character. That's them going. There he is, and let's move on. Um, but the vultures were originally going to be played by the Beatles, Beatles yeah. and that's why some of them retained Beatles esque haircuts, and one of them is just straight up Scouse. Yeah. Because that was the plan, but then the and the Beatles said yes to it, and then the Beatles record label went, "Hang on, fuck off, no, <laughs> we want this for it." Because they were, of course, going to co-write a song with the Sherman Brothers, yeah, so that it fit their style but also fit the film and wasn't too distracting. I'll be honest, I'm glad it never happened because it would have really taken away from that finale as yeah. a distraction. Um, plus, it would have meant we never got George Sanders doing the "That's What Friends." Oh, I can't get that deep. It's so good. <laughs> and George Sanders is Shere Khan. Again, one of the best Disney villains. Mm, <laughs> oh, Colonel Haffy as well. The Elephant's Parade. Yes. Well, like, yeah. Oh, God. It's just... But it's the anime... Oh. It's the quality of the movement in this that's my favourite thing. So good they made another film out of it. <laughs> well, we'll get Which to that. Which is also pretty good. We'll get to that. Well, they were already pre using some of the still cells as well. Yeah. Because some of Mowgli's movements were used for Arthur in Sword and the Stone. Oh. Because keep in mind, Jungle Book was being worked on for like yeah, seven, yeah, yeah, eight years. Um, but not as criminally as it was used later. Oh, some of his movements were used for Christopher Robin in the um, okay. Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which is not in this canon, I'm afraid to report. Oh, wait, yes it is. I'm talking up my ass. I was thinking of the blustery day. Never mind. Um... Okay. <laughs> My brain's melting. The next movie is The Aristocats. Fucking love The Aristocats. I will go to bat for The Aristocats. Based on the story by Tom McGowan and Tom Rowe. Tell us why The Aristocats is one of your faves. Because you have to do your scales and your arpeggios. (laughs) Because 
everybody wants to be a cat. Because Marie's just the best. Everybody. Um, everybody. Because it's everybody fucking aristocrat. Well, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? It's a bunch of cats running around Paris singing <laughs> songs. It's great. <laughs> so good. Phil Harris returning. Blue in the last one returned to play. Thomas O'Malley. Oh, oh full yeah. name. Abraham De Lacey, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley. Yes. O'Malley. The alley cat. Um, Sterling Holloway again comes back. This time he's Roquefort, the mouse. Yep. Uh, probably his probably his most adorable role, actually, that one. Yeah. Um, this film's great. Ta-ra-ra-boom! Aristocats is great. And again, it, it's, a, it's a fully human uh, sort of world that yeah. we're in now. We're in a civilised society. It's set in, is it Paris? It's, it's set, set in Paris, um, Beautiful. Again, banging music, but it, it sort of... It's, it comes now into that weird period where things don't quite bite. And it's, I think, down to the death of Walt. Yeah. Because Walt was a businessman and, you know, a problematic individual in places. Well, he was probably all, in ways we yeah. never knew. But he was always, and he made this very clear when he was CEO of the company and head of the, his own company. He made it very clear that, like, we are here to tell stories. He said, my films are made for children. Yes. But that means the, ch- the child in all of us. So we made a point of saying, like, I'm not just making this for kids. I want adults to enjoy this. I want them to feel like a kid again when they watch a Disney film. But there is a certain sense of rudderlessness mm, after, to, the, to the immediate, to the film. For a while, actually. For a good it's, decade, it, it, at least. It first felt a bit in Sword in the Stone. Yeah. Jungle Book survives because he was involved with it right up until his death. Aristocats kind of has that. They just feel like there's just something not quite there, and it continues into the recycling movie. Well, I've got to say before we do that, there, we have got another vote for the Aristocats in the email. Holy shit balls! This, Hit me with this, an email, this boy. Comes in from Caroline. She says, "Hi. In my opinion, the, Hi, Caroline. the Aristocats is the best." I'll just stick it on for the soundtrack sometimes. Everybody wants to be Hallelujah! Just fab. The characterization, the most adorable squishy kitten, the elegance of Mama, the slapstick of the butler, the highly silly <laughs> geese, and the bumper shoot. Oh god, the geese! Oh god, it's the geese got everything. So there you go. However, Caroline does make a misstep here because she says, "In my humble opinion." B-movie's my favourite computer-generated one, though. Lots in there for the grown-ups. Not a Disney movie, though. Not a Disney movie, but an excellent meme. (laughs) What's the deal with a bee falling in love with a human? Over on the Twitters, Trilby, Trilby, says, Beauty and the Beast, hands down. Gorgeous, great songs, the story still holds up, Gaston is the very best, and the ballroom sequence is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. We'll have thoughts on Beauty and the Beast, but damn well, that is a fine vote. And Patchett Chewy says, yes. The Lion King. Pretty much every scene and song is iconic, has arguably the most gravitas of any Disney animated flick. It's Shakespeare meets Cats, what more do you want? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's a decent argument. Okay. And Sue Taylor, lovely Sue... Uh, from Link, uh, from uh, what's it? From Lincoln, from BBC Radio Lincolnshire, uh, says that's harder than what is the meaning of life to the question of what's the best film. Jungle Book, first film I Jungle saw at the cinema. Book. Just Pip Snow White, pure genius for the time it was made, it, and it. Bambi because that pulls the heartstrings. But Jungle Book is vibrant and set a high bar for future animated films. Also, like we said, that that banging 
banging soundtrack. My God. Well, people love Jungle Book so much that, like you said, they recycled a shitload of the Oh, animatic. yes. Because Robin Hood is the 1973 release. And I think them recycling a lot of the animations for it is what makes it so... Is why a lot of people still really like Robin Hood. It, visually, it's definitely... Because the animation yeah. was so good. But sometimes just right up stealing. Like, Little John is just blue. Yeah. Um, Sir Hiss is just semi-car. Basically car. Um, but then there's a unique aspects that are in there as well. For example, um, Pat Buttram as the Sheriff of Nottingham is great. Yes. That design is great. You never really see anyone draw a fat wolf. No. No one ever draws a fat wolf. They're always wily or pointy or jagged. It's just a big fat wolf. Well, fat wolves are slow and slow wolves don't eat. <laughs> Phil Harris... That's probably part of the curse of Little John is that Phil Harris is voicing him. So it's yeah. just, yeah, that's Baloo. Baloo. That is Baloo. It's always going to Baloo. <laughs> um, but one of the best performances from a quote-unquote celebrity. Because a, a, a lot of the castings are um, are, are musical theatre castings and everything yeah. at this point. We're not in it? the era of like mainstream movie stars casting. Yeah, in, that's, that's sort of post-Aladdin where that becomes a thing where they advertise it, isn't it? Yeah. But... That being said, there was still a lot of film actors who were known for uh, known as film actors, either character actors or, or big names in sort of yeah. comedy and that popping up at this point. And of course, Peter Ustinov's in this yes. as Prince John. And he is excellent It's, it's in this. very good. Like a proper funny performance. And I also, just looking at the cast, I didn't realise this, he's also King Richard at the end. Oh, of course. I didn't realise that. That is that is a nice touch. Yeah. Sort, of, sort of bookend it. But um, again, Robin Hood... Uh, doesn't quite have that spark yet. That spark's not come back yet. I don't think no. it really returns till the Renaissance. But also launched a thousand furries and festivals. I was just about to say that. Like <laughs> its its biggest legacy was the sexual awakening of many furries. Is it a sex thing? I um, get it. I get it. I mean, I'm not, but I get it. Well, you want to talk? You want to talk furries? You want to oh. talk a thick boy? Okay. And we, we stan a thick boy. Do we? Number 22. Depends which thick boy it is. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Oh. The 1977 release. Oh, bother. Oh, bother. Based on Winnie the Pooh and the House at Pooh Corner by A.A. Oh, Milne. Uh, this is, again, it's a series of short stories and interstitials linked together, but it's all about 100 Acre Woods, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Piglet, Rabbit, Eeyore, Owl, Kanga, Roo, Gopher. Uh, Mecha Godzilla, all, all of our favourites. <laughs> no, that's next week. Oh yeah, all of our favourite. Well, oh god, I hope. Yeah, that there better be a hint to Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, um, this is charming. So I don't recall this one as much as I do. And what I was saying before, I've just remembered what it actually was. Winnie the Pooh's Most Grand Adventure. That's the one I remember the most because that was the straight to video nineties film. Of which that, there were a lot. That came out in the middle of the Renaissance. But that was the one that was like an hour and a half. That then made them go, yeah, Winnie the Pooh's still a thing. So then they started releasing. Many Winnie the Pooh animated films from, di- from Disney Toon yeah. and, and, and stuff at that point. Tiger movie, the, the Heffalump movie, all that stuff. But many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. I mean, come on, you, you want you want to cheer yourself up? Do you want to watch a bear dress like a bee floating up on a balloon to get some honey? Of course you freaking do. Yes. Many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. We stand a thick boy. Never seen it. I might track it down. You love seeing. I guarantee you'll have seen bits. I love it. a bit of Pooh Bear. Dirty bastard. Do you also love The Rescuers? Released the same yes. year, funnily enough. Yes, yes, yes. I love The Rescuers. Both I love The Rescuers. Releases. I didn't realise that. They turned Fucking out two in one year. Rescuers is bloody lovely. Uh, and it is based on The Rescuers and Miss Bianca, which is a British novel by Marjorie Sharp. I had no idea. It's just 
So charming. A Tale of Two Critters was its theatrical short attached to it, and it's re-released in 83. Mickey's Christmas Carol was attached to it. <laughs> Mickey's Christmas Carol is like half an hour, isn't it? That's the one where Scrooge McDuck is Scrooge. Yeah. yeah. It's like half an hour. That's a long-ass short to attach to a, a film. I must have seen it on its re-release then. Yeah. Uh, well, hang on. 83. No. Oh, no. I think no, it's no, 93. No, no. Um, but then again, the film, the, the Mickey's Christmas Carol was out on VHS around the same time as the yeah, Renaissance yeah. stuff. So it's entirely it's entirely possible you've devoured it. The one where Goofy's um, Jacob Marley. I've been said I might have seen Rescues Down Under in cinemas. Maybe. Well, it looks like it was re-released to coincide with Down Under. Um, what year was that? Oh, hang on. Yeah, no, it was re-released in the cinema in 83 and 89. So, so oh, it probably would have been too young. I'd have been one. If you were there, you were there with people going to see a movie and trying to keep you quiet. Yeah, <laughs> you would I not have been watching the screen. I don't think you would, my parents you would have been would have grabbing taken... your feet and shitting your pants. I, well, I still do that now. Yeah, <laughs> depends can, what I've eaten. Can you remember the basic plot of the Rescuers? Um, because I remember it had something to do with the United Nations. It's chil- children ask for help and mice help them. And they fly on an albatross in, in a in a in a sardine can. Yeah, they do. Uh, Bernard and Miss Bianca, played by Bob Newhart and Eva Gabor. Yeah, yeah. Because why not? Oh, yeah. This is the the one where the villain is uh, the hunter, Madame Medusa. Yeah. Who again is comes from the Cruella Deville school of God? That's a scary looking, angry, middle aged woman. Mm-hmm. Do you um, think someone at Disney had uh, mummy issues? Had a fear, quite possibly. <laughs> But uh, yeah, really sweet. Penny's in that one as well. She's the little girl in it. That film's got yeah. some freaky alligators as well, if I remember correctly. Um, speaking of freaky, uh, <laughs> freaky deaky freaky Dutch, ladies and gentlemen, The Fox and the Hound, based on The Fox and the Hound by Daniel P. Manix. This is the one that Kurt Russell's in, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a relatively recent adaptation at the time. It's based on a book from 67 that came out in 81. <laughs> Oh wow! It's They're getting simple. right. So that's what this is when. Is this when Disney started jumping on uh, recent properties to build their IP library? Quite possibly. You ready for this? Mickey Rooney was Todd. Kurt Russell was Copper. That's a distinct age difference between those two actors at the yeah. time, isn't it? Uh, young Todd was Keith Mitchell, and young Copper was Corey Feldman. Oh wow! Mm. Um, oh wow! Aye. Fox I don't think I've Hound. ever seen The Fox and the Hound. It's really sweet. Like, okay. proper touching. Because, again, it's just about the idea of the roles that society chooses for you. Told through the medium of this 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 little basset hound and this little fox that get on as kids. And then years go by and, and you know, the hound returns to the forest now as the hunting dog of a, of a poacher. And sort of what that means and, and what it means mm. for their friendship and it's like yeah some pretty deep damn themes going on here again the enemy is man the enemy is um, always man except when it's the undead film 25 what? and a film that I absolutely <laughs> love despite it not being the greatest of Disney's but it's I mean the balls on this film The Black Cauldron based on Never Lloyd Alexander's it. novels The Chronicles of Pridian Always watched it. Never seen it. It's fucking creepy. <laughs> it's. I mean, again, it, you're going metal here. Like the villain. Yeah, the yeah. villain is the horned king. I remember seeing. He wants to use it. the black cauldron to bring back the dead <sighs> as his army of servants. Why have I never seen this film? That sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah. Well, it's not amazing. 
<laughs> but it's visually it's stunning. John Hurt is the Horned King. Oh, so you're getting some creepy shit. Do I remember in there. it didn't get re-released for a long time. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, let's have a little look. Uh, yeah, it never had a cinematic re-release ever. Yeah. So it was just a VHS baby. Uh, it's because it was a bomb, effectively. It didn't yeah, yeah. do well, and people, parents didn't know what to make of it. Like, I'm not taking my kid to that. It looks terrifying. Uh, despite some lovable main characters, terrible sidekick, Gurgi's awful. Uh, Proto-Stitch, I call him. Um, similar voice. But, guys, if you've never seen The Black Cauldron, you're included. Yes, I'm included in Seek that. it out. Seek hmm. it out. And then, have a look at Tokyo Disneyland's... Um, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella's Castle, whatever it is, tour. Because there was a walkthrough attraction where people were shown, uh, taken on tours of the dungeons beneath the castle by oh. a cast member. And then the magic mirror shows up and is like, yeah, no, stop celebrating the heroes. Like, we're going to see the villains. And you go through several villainous environments, ending in a sequence with a, with the Horned King, which was one of the freakiest animatronics ever made. The Horned King. Yeah, proper freaky. Talking Japanese, so it's a bit confusing. But, oh, well. Yeah. Still. Speaking of confusing, do you know what's better than one of the most acclaimed um, mystery fiction characters uh, being adapted into film? Uh, doing it with talk animals? Yes. The Great Mouse Detective. I haven't seen number this 26. for so long that I can't remember anything about it. Also known over here as Basil the, the Great, Great Mouse, Mouse Detective. Detective yeah. um, although it's the actual re-release was The Adventures of the Great Mouse Detective. Uh, Great Mouse Detective is great. It's basically Sherlock Holmes. That's all you need to know. Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is a little mouse. <laughs> and Watson is a mouse. And they're mice. Imagine if Danger Mouse, right? Yeah. Wasn't all about gadgets and James Bond, but was just Sherlock Holmes. So Basil the Great Mouse Detective. Yeah, pretty much. Um, cool. But the most notable thing about this is directors are Ron Clements and John Musker, who go on to direct so many of the best, uh, specifically a few of the Renaissance. Um, yeah. Okay. So this is where they, they kick right off proper. But it's based on Basil of Baker Street as well, which is novels written about a mouse version of Sherlock Holmes. Sure. Because of course. Sure. The villain of this movie is Rattigan, who's basically Moriarty. Yes. He's one of the campest. But, but, <laughs> yeah. Wait for it. He's a rat. What? He's a rat. No, I'm not having that. Seriously, if you don't tell him that. He doesn't like being reminded. Moratiati. People get hurt when he's told. I know. In the film. But. What? He is a rat. Okay. Thanks. Ratigan. Oh, Ratigan. He's um, a rat. You're right then. He's a rat. Tigan. Oh, God. Swap uh, swap uh, the Reichenbach Falls for the clock arms of Big Ben, and the ending portion of the film is an adaptation of the final problem. Um, uh, but he's also voiced by Vincent motherfucking Price. Yes! And he's camp as Christmas, and he's great. And one of the scarier Disney films, I think, just from some of the visuals Probably. and the tone. It's really intimidating. I mean, your bad guy is a rat, so... <laughs> Don't tell him! Oliver and Company is next. What? Oliver and Company will probably be most known to British listeners and yourself included. Now, yeah. when I mention this, it might ring a bell. I'm aware of Oliver and Company. I just the VHS release it. was heavily publicised throughout the Renaissance cassette releases. Specifically okay. showing a bit of the uh, Dodgers song that went, Why should I worry? Why should I care? And he's like dancing around the streets and shit. 
that was on every Disney VHS from us the 90s, the same way that that Muppet bit after the credits was always on it of Gonzo appearing through a thing and doing a weird trick. Okay. Um, Oliver and Company is the first kind of... Pass me right um, fucking by. The first kind of let's uh, litter this cast with celebrities. Yeah. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's Oliver Twist with dogs. Yeah, and Oliver is a cat. Because, of course. Um, sure. This is this is them doing uh, this, is, the, this is them doing Robin Hood again, but this time um, just straight up animals, not anthropomorphic. Uh, Joey Lawrence is Oliver, little Joey Lawrence. Billy okay. Joel is Dodger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheech Marin is Tito. Yeah. Richard Mulligan is Einstein. Yeah. Roscoe Lee Brown is Francis. Cheryl Lee Ralph with Ruth Pointer singing as Rita. Dom DeLuise is Fagin. Uh, starting Dom DeLuise's long career oh. of being in animated films, this being the only good one. Oh! Uh, look, shit, sir! Dom DeLuise was hilarious, right? He was absolutely hilarious, but he worked mostly in Don Bluth's animated movies. Yeah, yeah. Which are very hit and miss. Um, this is this is his best one. It just is. Um, I mean, come on. After Oliver and Company, he's in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Eh, yeah. Happily Ever After, eh. Fireville Goes West, eh. Magic Voyage, eh. Munchie, Ugh. A Troll in Central Park, Ugh. All Dogs Go to Heaven 2, An American Tale Treasure of Manhattan, Ugh. All Dogs Christmas Carol, Guilty Pleasure, <laughs> <laughs> The Secret of Nim 2, Timmy to the Rescue, Tim, The Secret of Nim 2, An American Tale, The Mystery of the Night Monster, Stop Making American Tale Things, and The Lion of Oz. No. What, he's not in Anastasia? Nope. He, he was alive, but I think even he looked at that and went, no thank you. What do people not like Anastasia? Anastasia's shit. I've never people seen it. People love it. Lucy loves it. I think it's dog shit. But Disney now own it, so they could remake it. Okay. <laughs> Even the musical version that started on Broadway like last year cuts out the only interesting thing from the animation, which is Rasputin. They cut out the villain. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Completely cut him out. Um, what? Yep. Oliver Company. It's a thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have another email now. Okay. Because we're about to move into La Renaissance. <laughs> All of our millennial listeners are going, oh, fucking finally. Yeah, yeah. Stick with us. First, an email. Okay, this one comes in from, this is a nice, short, sweet one. This one comes in from Rebecca. Mm -hmm. And it says, where's the antidote? Please tell me. The best Disney film is Lilo and Stitch. I love it so much and it makes me cry whenever I watch it. Heart, smiley face. Rebecca, that is the purest email ever. I love it. Oh my god, Lilo and Stitch. Awesome. I, I'm looking forward to hearing from people who love that one. I love... Because we sort of missed that one in a way, didn't we? I love Lilo. Yeah, I kind of miss Lilo and Stitch. Um, I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. Oh yeah. Again, this is this is definitely a... Um, a friend... Of the Renaissance. Oh, me. This one comes in from Jay. It says, hey guys. Hey Jay. I'm here to defend the honour... <laughs> of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. God damn yes! Not only is its soundtrack gorgeous and its story terrifyingly dark for Disney, mm. but Frollo is the best villain to grace Disney's filmography. <laughs> People go on about how Gaston is a great villain, which he is, because he's not enhanced by magic or powers, making him have the possibility of being anyone, but instead in being motivated by a cartoonish sense of ego. 
Frollo was powered by his inherent elitist hatred of everyone below him, which he disguises behind religious devotion, which he's convinced himself of so hardly that when he feels an overwhelming sense of lust, he vents his hatred of himself outwards to the extent of murdering innocents and burning the entire city of Paris. He's so much more realistic than Gaston and the thousands of times more petrifying. Just ignore the gargoyles. (laughs) It's perfect. Hope you're doing well. Jay. Hey Jay. 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 I wholeheartedly agree on a lot of your points. Most notably that that film is perfect if you ignore the gargoyles. But we'll get into that. The bells, 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 was it that top note, or was it the top note of Oh Happy Day that got you? Because remember, at the end Both. of that gig, at that point, we weren't like we weren't hanging out yet, but we knew each other. Uh, so Happy Day is when we did the falsetto, which I can't do anymore. But Bells of Notre Dame is a... It's all those crack a, pipes you've been smoking. Yeah. And then eating. Bells of Notre Dame is a top D, which I still can get in full belt. Yeah. But I remember at the end of that gig, like, because I was always... In, I was, oh, and I still am. But I was always impressed by it. I was like, oh my God, this guy's fucking rock. And Everyone rock. remembers the whole Happy Day fi- bit. Well, I remember finishing that gig and we all went to the side to get our stuff and you were just casually dabbing a tissue at your nose. I, I just you're right. you went, Yeah, I got a nosebleed. I was like, whoa! And I was like, what the fuck? Because you just... It was... I mean, I, let's be honest. Forget the vibration in your skull. Well, I get them all the time. The anyway. reverb in the acoustic... Yeah, but again, it's those crack pipes. The reverb and the everything from just that cathedral was amazing. But that music, the Disney music. Oh, yeah. Specifically Hunchback, that's sweet. In that in so, that, in that, that place. Do you remember... Who, can you remember what vocal, who the vocal coach was who came in? To, he did like a talk for us and they, he spe- they specifically utilised his expertise to talk to us about doing Bells of Notre Dame. I can't remember who it was. It was somebody. It was somebody who come in to talk to. I think it was the MTs, wasn't it? But they got everyone together to talk about that I'm bit not as sure. well. I can't remember. But I remember him very specifically. That was where I really learnt about enunciation in musical theatre. Because up to that point, no one had ever taught that or emphasised it. Fishing like fish is the baker man bake. Yes, you're remembering it, aren't you? The, yeah, yeah. Sort of that, the way he was talking about the peaks and the troughs of each word. He's like, even if there's no meaning behind the word, you need to illustrate each word uniquely. So that it's not just a thing. That was, flash forward slightly everybody, that was something I had a problem with in Aladdin remake. There's a few bits where they're just kind of singing. Well, we'll get to that, but first we need yeah. to plough through the Renaissance. Hunchback, bit. beautiful. Hunchback's um, very good. I really like Hunchback. Simon Kenyon! For me, it's Little Mermaid. It still holds up today and I can remember seeing it at the cinema. Disney's a huge part of our family. Myself and the wife grow up watching them all and our children do the same. I even named our... Then his kids are named after Disney characters, Rex and Flynn. Oh, that's amazing! I um, yeah, I fucking love Little Mermaid. Uh, well, that's convenient, Matthew, because the next movie is The Little Mermaid. <gasps> Care to tell us about The Little Mermaid? Um, yeah, based on the Hans Christian Andersen Danish fairy tale, The you Little remember, Mermaid. Remember when that hashtag went around on Twitter a couple couple of weeks back about first cartoon crushes? Ariel. Ariel. But you were underage yourself at the time, so it ain't creepy. Uh, well. <laughs> um, this is the Renaissance. This is where all of the gorgeous slash sexy princess just... characters are questionably aged, but not drawn to be but that way. Besides that, just... <laughs> Ariel's fit. Part of your world. Mm. Flounder. <gasps> Sebastian. <laughs> Under the sea. 
everything's better down where it's wet on. <laughs> True advice for life. <laughs> I have seldom heard. What? No love? No love for Scuttle here? Oh uh, well. <laughs> Well, it's uh, one, one of those. Uh, d- 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 fuck me if I knows. Ursula. <gasps> right now, we're getting into the meat of the Disney villain canon. Eric's this is where right, they really. Eric's fine, but this is where they really start sticking out. Ursula, as performed by Pat Carroll, just so good. I mean, what again, a present. animated characters' performances are the results of the marriage of the voice performance and how it's directed. And the animators who work on the characters. Ursula is one of the finest animated villain performances ever. Wait, we skip Rescuers Down Under? Nope. This That's came out before Rescuers Down Under? Rescuers Down Under is the Iron Man 2 of the Renaissance. When did The Little Mermaid come out? 89. So I mustn't have, been, I mustn't have seen it in the cinema then. Oh no, you would have, you would call it on... Thingy. Oh, then again, it was re-released in 97. So you might have seen it in 97. No, because I'd, I'd seen it... I remember... Gro- I'm... I remember being very little and having seen The Little Mermaid. I guarantee that VHS will be it in the house somewhere. It must be a VHS. Somewhere. I don't think we... No, I don't think we still got it. I mean, it must have been a rental. But a, a, a regular rental, though. But a regular rental, goddammit. But I, I had all the Happy Meal toys as well. The seaweed is always green. I had... It's the, and sizzling. I had Little Eric in a boat. And I had a... That is a big mistake. I had a flounder water squeezy. <gasps> I had that. And um, a suction cupped Ursula that you stuck on the side of the bath. Brilliant. Creepy, yeah. but brilliant. <laughs> yeah, Flotsam and Jetsam. They're fucking creepy Fucking bastards. hell. Yeah. Creepy, creepy bastards. Again, a metal ending. Prince Eric impales Ursula on the front of the ship. She keeps the withered, still alive souls and husks of people who reneged on their deal with her. She steals Ariel's voice. Which leads to some of the most expressive, perfect animation ever. A silent character, silent lead in animation. Yeah. God, it's amazing. Ballsy. And again, the music. I think this is the first time that, um, what's it? Uh, Alan Menken is involved as the composer and, and music uh, writer for the scores for these movies. Um, up where they are, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun. Oh, it's so good. Will you dress up and sing that to me? Nope. No. Can I dress up and you sing it at me? Definitely not. No. Well, speaking of definitely not. Okay. Rescuers Down Under. Yes! It's definitely not the worst. I like Rescuers Down Under. Uh, I think it is the one that is actually remembered more of the two Rescuers movies. Yes, because it's got Joanna in it. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) You're right there. That's what you want to voice. <laughs> Pretty good, actually. <laughs> um, again, Bob Newhart and Eva Gabor returning to this one. Um, yeah. Oh, what was it? Is it is it, is it Mara Maraquetti, the giant eagle? I can't bloody remember. Because both that and Joanna are voiced by Frank Welker. Of course they are. <laughs> Frank Welker, that's Frank legend. Fucking Welker. Frank. Scooby-Doo's Fred Welker. More, Frank Megatron Welker. More credits than God. Yeah, that's true. And still very shy. Doesn't really like being interviewed. Well, to this day. He just likes to make noises, doesn't he? He likes to make sounds. Yeah. God bless him. Um, also, when that was released, the theatrical short attached to it, and I say short because, again, it's another 25-minute bugger, Prince and the Pauper. The Mickey version. 
was attached to that on its death. I think release. I might have seen that. As a, that again, that had a VHS release as well. Yeah. In the uh, in the nine tears. Oh, yeah, because this would have been 89, wouldn't it? Yeah. But like I said, Rescue's Down Under, it's not an obvious member of the Renaissance, but it's because that was, of course, in development at the same time as yeah, Little Mermaid. Yeah, in my head, it comes out before Little Mermaid. Oh, yes. Well. Uh, but, ladies and gentlemen, arguably, hey. <laughs> arguably, a minute. the greatest Disney movie for a lot of people, the 30th Walt Disney Animated Studios motion picture, Beauty and the Beast. Tale as old as time. No, 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 no. True. True as it as can, can be. <laughs> Believe in friends, then somebody bends unexpectedly. They have been stretching. Oh. <laughs> it's... Uh, this I did see in the cinema. Yeah, uh, it's 91, so and it must very, be one of my earliest very tiny. But I remember brother. seeing it yeah. in the cinema and just being fucking blown away. Yeah. Just absolutely <laughs> blown away. As a kid, this was one that I always liked. As an adult, this is one of the best, bar none, for my money. Yeah, It's one of the few that I've actually got on Blu-ray. It's gorgeous, isn't it? It's a stunning piece of it's work. It's just amazing. Uh, based on Beauty and the Beast, the French fairy tale by Jean-Marie Le Prince de Beaumont. What, not the uh, TV series starring Ron Pillman and Linda Hamilton? I came after this, Created by George R.R. Martin. I came after this, I think it was late 80s. Oh my God, really? It was contemporaneous. Oh my God. Yeah, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, if you're a Game of Thrones fan and you're looking for something new to check out, go watch the Beauty and the Beast, Ron Pillman, Linda Hamilton TV soap opera slash fantasy show. I think it was pre-T2. Do 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 do, Beauty and the Beast. Have to look it up now. But yeah, Beauty and the Beast is a stunning piece of work. Uh, in no small part to every contributor, but let's be honest. I think the standout of this is uh, the music by Alan Menken. Uh, and who's the lyricist for this one? Is it the TV show Howard Ashman? Nineteen ninety. Nineteen eighty-seven to nineteen ninety. Ah, neat. Howard Ashman and uh, who passed away during the making of it. Oh no! And, and um, uh, 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 Alan Menken wrote all the songs for this. Was this also the first one that got a big Broadway production? I think so. Yeah, I believe this. I believe this was the first one to get the stage ad- adapt treatment. Yeah. Um, which continues to this day. It's, it's it's one of those that disappears and then every few years reappears as like a world tour or yeah. or, or a residency somewhere. Um, Beauty and the Beast is stunning in every possible way, uh, from the character designs to the character movement, the care taken to make you grow to love a beast over the course of the tale told through the animation, songs, the pacing of it, Uh, the script. The the design of the beast himself in that he can go from being terrifying to sympathetic Mm. instantly. Yeah. Um... Uh, there's again Disneyland Paris in the same exhibit hall as that voiceover booth you can see they've got collections of original sketches of the various stages and designs for the beast yeah and you can see them sort of go through that mood board almost of here's the scariest thing we can think of here's the gentlest thing we can think of we need to meet in the middle and they talk about which animals they take sort of influence from and do you know what I mean it's like this is amazing like they went to so much care to make that work um the songs. I think this might be the best soundtrack. Just so good. In, in terms of in terms of it's untouchable. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not my favorite Disney film. We've yet to get to that. But like I think this is untouchable. Every song is brilliant. Um, 
even when they returned Human Again to it on its DVD release, Human Again's not the best song of the bunch. But when it goes in there, you go, all right, okay, this fits. And also Gaston. Gaston's amazing. Oh. In terms of like villain and, songs. And the reprise. Establishing the, the reprise. The f- Ooh, I'm afraid I've been thinking. A dangerous pastime, I know. <laughs> it's freaking great. Gaston's amazing. Um, the character, the song, everything around him is wonderful. He's a dark, horrible man. Oh, yeah. Who seems to just be this bumbling egotist? Well, we've already we've already covered Gaston in the in the emails. Yeah. yeah, but like the idea that over the course of the film, the beast goes from being a beastly sort of thing to our eyes to us learning about the humanity and the gentle side of him, whilst at the same time, the B plot is Gaston's humanity disappearing yeah. layer by layer as he becomes more being a, a murderous bastard. Yeah. Um... But again, a funny villain, like a fun. Like this is some of the, these villains get really right in this era. They're they're entertaining, and Gaston might be the funniest of them all. Yep. Uh, Lefou, great addition. Uh, Maurice, wonderful. The extended cast of furniture characters. Yep. Oh my god, Lumiere, Lumiere and Cogsworth, Cogsworth one of the shit. great double acts. Oh, <laughs> just. And again, the character design is so iconic. Yeah, I know exactly. If I could draw, which I can't. We, we can, can all draw. But man. if I could draw, we, all, we can all draw. Then I would be able to draw Lumiere, Cogsworth, uh, Chip, and Mrs. Potts from memory because they're burned in there. <laughs> they are burned in there. They are not going anywhere. But I can't draw, so I can't do that. You can draw. We can all draw. No. Nope. How to draw comics the Marvel way? Sorry, if I could draw with any degree of fidelity. All right. Okay. Then I'll be able to do that. <laughs> we can all draw, Matt. If we've I all put... drawn. We've all drawn that weird S. If made I could six vertical lines if I could put what was in my mind on the page in a visual manner I've seen enough hentai to know where this oh, is going oh no um, but yeah Paige O'Hara as well as um, as Belle is one of the great mm. uh, performances in all of Disney ballroom scene the ballroom scene the sweeping ballroom scene the film got nominated for a damn Oscar for best, best picture. picture because it's that Fucking good. God damn it. Ignore all of its sequels. And And the same could be said for pretty much anything from the Renaissance, to be fair. Yeah, pretty much. Speaking of Renaissance films that get stupid amount of sequels and continuation. No. You gotta keep one jump ahead of the bread line, one swing ahead of the store. That's deal. Only one I can afford. Oh, that's Aladdin on DVD and Blu-ray, but do purchase it. And that was better than the uh, than the version that's in the film. Yeah. The remake, you mean? The remake, yeah. Thank God, because, yeah, yeah. like, I just... Yeah. Um, Ron Clements and John Musker return as directors this time to for, do a film based on Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp from the Thousand and One Nights. Specifically, the French interpretation of the Arabian fairy tales uh, by Antoine Galland. Um, good Lord, this film. This film. I think this was a lot of... Because there is sort of that stigma of, you know, oh, yeah, girls will like this one, or oh, boys will like that one. Yeah. Uh, amongst sort of parents every every now and again, which I hate. Let the kid decide what they like. But ultimately, with this one, this was always seen as sort of the boys' Disney movie. Um, bullshit, it's for everybody. I but I see what you mean. Yeah. This is the first Disney film, probably after The Black Cauldron, that to me, I think of this as an action 
Like, it's a romance, ultimately, but it's an action-adventure. Like, it's an adventure film. Like, it's, it's got that swashbuckle, it's got that kick-assery, it's got, you know, that those sort of things usually associated with the action genre in there. It's funny as all hell. Yeah. It's perfectly cast throughout. Um, I mean, the, the, we'll avoid the obvious for just a second, but let's talk Jonathan Freeman as Jafar and Gilbert Gottfried as Iago. Now, Jafar... We want to talk about iconic Disney villains. Yes. Fucking Jafar, man. <laughs> just, just the, the, just the way his face emotes is evil and creepy and twisted. It just, the, the most the sarcastic thought, delivery of ecstatic. The way he, <laughs> like just the way he, made to film. Just the way he forms his words. You know, talking about animated being performers and look at Jafar. Mm. Oh God. As, oh. as Jafar, as a beggar, as a cobra, oh. as a genie, like that performance is wonderful and and complemented fantastically by Godfrey as Iago. Yeah, like they work so well together. I love how your foul little mind works. Yes, possibly the campus Disney villain. Oh, as well, so ca- brilliant for it. <laughs> All better for brilliant it. Brilliant for it. Um, I love this movie so damn much. Again, the soundtrack gorgeous, um, near untouchable. In terms of its songs. The rejected songs from it that then returned for the stage adaptation yeah. make you go, holy shit, the stuff they threw out is better than 90% of the stuff I make to put out. Yeah. Like, Proud of Your Boy, High Adventure. Like, these songs are incredible. Um, I love it. And also, it's the first one to really play with CGI. Yes. There's some in There's Beauty a bit the of it in Beauty and the Beast. The, the, ballrooms, the, the ballroom crane shot. Yeah, is is, is CGI in Beauty and the Beast, but this has way more of it. The Cave of Wonders, particularly. Yeah. Oh, the Cave of Wonders was fuck. As I remember, I do remember this scene in the cinema. I know I saw Beauty and the Beast in the cinema, but I don't know if I re- I don't remember much of it. I remember being impressed by it, but this I do. I have much stronger memories of seeing it in the cinema, mm. and the Cave of Wonders was terrifying. Oh God, yeah. Like just just, just... perfectly freaky. Um. Also, um, just again, just like little bits and pieces of it work so well. It, it's got so many lovely little moments. Like the Sultan piling up all his animals into that little... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just little things like that. And, and <laughs> Sorry, I love that bit. Um, and the bread, like the sharing of the bread. Yeah. And the chemistry between Aladdin and Jasmine, especially when she thinks it's Ali just before a whole new world mm-hmm. possibly the most popular modern Disney song of all time as well yeah um, it's wonderful but then obviously this is the movie that really was the perfect marriage of the voice actor and the animators in that Robin Williams as the genie was <sighs> this mix of improvisation and the animators utilising that one of the greatest as a voice, springboard. One of the greatest vocal performances in the history of Western animation. Absolutely, and with, combined with some of the best animation <laughs> in the history of Western animation, and just inventive in its in its visuals and its its quick fire. The way it's, I mean, tell her the truth. <laughs> Remember, be yourself. It's the, just the way that it. <laughs> The, the animation captures sort of Williams's quick fire uh, mercurial uh, wit 
And the way, in the, in the way, obviously, it's recorded after the fact, after he's recorded his dialogue. It's, it's, then it's animated to that. But the fact that they can get that, the animators could get that much in. Yeah. I mean, there's allegedly. To every cell! There's allegedly 16 hours total of recorded material. Fuck me! Like, days and weeks are spent in the voice studio getting everything that's needed, but there's 16 hours of solid recorded lines. So there's all the key story stuff, there's all the ad-libs, and then there's the ad-libs that they didn't use. Um, It's doing the rounds again online because of Lindsay Ellis' recent video essay, but if you've never watched the piece that they showed to Robin Williams to convince him, it's phenomenal. So... Just the whole thing. And his performance, the songs, the... Oh, I love Aladdin. It's a, it's, it is a standout standout piece of the Disney canon and also a standout piece of the incredible legacy of work that Robin Williams left behind. And also, thanks to Jasmine's semi-harem outfit, another sexual awakening for generations of people. Oof. Jafar, Jafar, he's our man. If he can't do it... Great! <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I can see the animation for it <laughs> in my head when you say it. And you can just, it just, it's, just it's there. So it's... it's there. Because it is so, it's just so iconic. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about it is making me laugh. Because that's how effective it was. That's right. He can be taught. <laughs> <laughs> Say, say anything. Say, say I, I, I wish for the Nile. I, I wish for the Nile. No way! <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, we'll move on to one more Renaissance one before checking out some more emails and tweets. Yes. Uh, the Lion King. Ingwi nam and ingwi I'm going to say something controversial. Hit me. It's overrated. I would rather you have hit me. It's overrated. That's fine. I mean, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> with your subjective opinion that's completely yours and not incorrect. It is You're overrated. Um, I think I think the reason it makes such an impact is because it don't, is a film don't with a lot get me wrong. of it is fucking great. I think yeah, I think it's because it's a it's film overrated. with a lot of a lot of um sort of gravitas and a lot of, of um atmosphere and, 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 and grand grandiose kind of scale to it, like the visuals, the music. Great soundtrack. Really good music. Would you say it's overrated? Well, then do you know what? It's not that. I'm not even going to come up with an angle. Why do you think it's overrated? I'm totally curious. Um, <laughs> because I'm a curmudgeon. All right, fair enough. Um, no, it is great, but <laughs> whenever, whenever, because, because I'm an awful game. When people when people talk about the 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 bet the the high points of the Disney Renaissance, I just don't go to the Lion King. You know, I as much as I, I do go, enjoy the songs, I think the songs could possibly be part of it if that yeah. makes any sense. Because again, amazing stuff in there and beautiful beautiful melodies and, and arrangements. But it was that weird thing of songs by Tim Rice and Elton John. It's like okay, but Elton John and Tim Rice wrote some songs, and then Tim Rice had to be like right. How do I make these work? And rewrite the fuckers so that they fit into the film. Yeah. Because if you get the soundtrack to The Lion King, it's two CDs essentially on one disc. One of them is five or six songs by Elton John. Yeah. And the rest of it is the ones in the movie. Yeah. And they're different. Like, they're very different. They are different. And... Uh, so... 
Which is why Road to Eldorado doesn't quite work. The DreamWorks one. Because it's like, with songs by Elton John. It's like, yeah, but they've not been tweaked to fit the stories. So they're just kind of there. This is the same time Disney was doing what they do later on with a certain Mr. Collins, but we'll see. The only reason I, th- I say it's overrated is because it's just, I, it's just a little bit of pushback on my part to go, yeah, it... Calm your tits, it's world. It's great, but it's not... <laughs> I don't think it's the best thing Disney have ever made. And I think the the three movies we've just talked about are superior. But I understand that it is a very important movie to a lot of people. And the stage version, I think, has been important for providing more... <coughs> for providing more opportunities to theatre actors of... Um, African descent. That's what you're saying is, Matt, you don't like Shakespeare, is what you're saying. Because it's based on Hamlet! Yeah, Hamlet's fucking too long, mate. Yeah, so... To be fair, this doesn't have talking, that problem. Put a talking meerkat in it. Yeah, put a talking meerkat in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lion King's great. But it's, okay, it's a great, it's a great cast, and Matthew Broderick. Um... <laughs> But a great cast, but Matthew But a great Broderick. cast, but Matthew Broderick. And again, James Earl Jones giving possibly, again, one of the most iconic animated uh, characters. Which he's about terms. to give again. Yeah, which is so pointless. I mean, the whole Lion King I th- remake I is think... pointless, but the fact that you've also brought back James Earl yeah. Jones is sort of pointless. I really. think I'm letting my my feelings on the uh, on the remake sort of colour my feelings on the Oh gee, maybe after the remake, which we'll have to inevitably watch, you'll probably rewatch the original and fi- have a newfound appreciation for it. Yeah, just because it's the better of the two fucking versions that exist on screen. Well, um, also no, 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 Nathan no, no, Lane no. as Timon. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Why? When he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Very nice. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um. I enjoy it a lot. I think Scar, again, keeping in with the really fucking entertaining villains. Jeremy Irons. Jeremy, but shouldn't have... Father, but don't, to marry a son. Don't open Irons. that kind of dicks. <laughs> He's pretty damn great in it. And also we get um, uh, Shenzi, Banzai, and Ed. The hyenas. I found out Ed's being renamed in the new one. Why? Because they're stupid. But he's also being played by Eric Andre. So maybe okay. they're giving more lines. Instead of, if I remember correctly, Frank Welker? Is it Frank Welker? Welker? Frank Welker, Frank Welker, and Frank Welker. It's got to be Frank Welker, surely. He's definitely got some. No, it's Jim Cummings. Uh... Jim Cummings is Ed. He's also the singing voice of Scar from the the second to last verse onwards of Be Prepared. Because Jeremy Irons blew his voice out. Oh. I mean, they could have just dubbed Irons in again later, shortly. Well. But whatever. And Rowan Atkinson as Zazu, lest we forget. Oh, yes, Rowan Atkinson is in that. Um, let's have an email, Matthew Theathias. I'm, I'm going to the emails now, but Matthew I've closed Stein. my app and I can't find That's all right, it. I'll bring up a couple of little tweets. Little yeah, bugger. give us a couple of tweets while I find a good email. Demi 96 how you doing? Says, I can't even answer that one. I have a Disney sleeve started on my leg because I love it so much. Yeah, I can't I pick one. Fair enough. Uh, picks or it didn't happen, Abby. We want to see the sleeve. The Lion King all the way, says Miles Taylor. Unbiased because it was a childhood favourite, but watching it again, blimey, it's good. Simba finding, I have to watch it again, maybe, Simba finding Mufasa dead may be Disney's most heart-wrenching moment. Yeah, that is pretty, that's pretty, it's pretty tough. And that score is spellbinding. Plus, Jeremy Irons a scar, best villain Jeremy ever. Iron. 
Um, Matt Moir says, Lion King or Hunchback by far. They're very different, but tell compelling stories and have very compelling characters. And you and the Shadow Master. The Shadow Master! It's Aladdin, purely because of the genie. And I feel it's got a memorable plot and catchy songs. A guilty pleasure, though, is Robin Hood, for nostalgia's sake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good picks. Good um, picks all in all, folks. This one comes in from Danny. Hey, Danny. Danny, Danny. And Danny says, um, Good afternoon, my fine, big, damn peoples. <laughs> I'm approaching this question from a slightly different angle. My absolute favourite Disney animation is The Lion King. Okay. But that is a more common answer, so I'm going to talk about my second place pick. <laughs> uh, Treasure Planet. Okay, yeah. Um, Treasure Planet did get a little bit of love in Twitter, as we shall discover. I've never seen it. You bastard. I'd, I'd aged out of Disney by this point. I was a sulky teenager. Ah, so got, yeah, that does the, tend to get you. Towards the end of the Renaissance, I've got a bit of a blind spot. Oh, um, cakes. Treasure Planet is an underrated masterpiece that screams passion project like this. Passion project! Um, Millie just perked her ears up in fear. <laughs> yeah, I bet she did. Um, <laughs> the futuristic adaptation of the classic story, given a few tweaks and a suitably sci-fi action finale... Reinvents a well-worn tale and elevates it to do something new and exciting. Um, The voice cast are perfect. I say Emma Thompson as the feline captain may be my favourite Disney character ever. The blend of CGI elements with traditional hand-drawn animation gives a glimpse of what I dearly wish Disney had chosen as their modern technique instead of the shift over to pure CG animation. You and me both, Danny. Yeah. Um, Admittedly, the computer-generated elements have aged somewhat, but they now appear stylized. The simplicity in comparison to modern graphics complements the hand-drawn elements in a way that couldn't have been predicted when the film was produced. The emotional core of the film between Jim and Silver is perfectly written, with the final moments on screen never failing to make me cry. I would also like to nominate Morph as the cutest Disney companion. Thank you for bearing (laughs) with the long email, your friend and constant listener. Danny Nil you fret. Thank Danny. you very much. Thank you, Danny. Some damn fine nominations. I noticed no one has brought up Pocahontas. Mm, AKA about... the history writing slaughter movie. Um Problematic. Now again, beautiful music in places. Not every soundtrack has no. constant bangers. Nearly probably nearly every female actress with a song portfolio has had colours in the window in it at some point. Yeah. Which again, beautiful song. Good song. Um Savages is upsetting, but in context it works and is, again, an impressive vocal arrangement. Some stunning visuals. But this is weird, because this is the first one where they tried to realism... um, They tried tried to do a realistic approach to the uh, leads in terms of their design. Which is ironic, considering they didn't take a realistic approach to the subject matter. Oh, snap. Uh... But do you know what I mean? Like... Pocahontas and John Smith, like they're all drawn as like, hey, these are what people look like. Aren't they sexy? Let's make them sexy. Let's make them real sexy. And yet the other characters around them are goofy cartoony as fuck anyway. Yeah. Um, like Governor, what's his face? Is it Governor Twat Biscuit? Yeah, the villain who's not great. Who's <laughs> sort of like the really weak link of the Renaissance villains. What's his name? Clunge Drip. Governor Ratcliffe. Voiced by the wonderful David Ogden Steers. Um, who was Cogsworth in uh, yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not a great villain. Not a brilliant movie. Just... Uh. It's, for me, it's the dip. That's the dip in the Renaissance. Yeah, well, 
most would agree with you that the next film continues the dip, but I really don't. What's the next one? The Hunchback. Oh, fuck Dame. yeah! Hunchback's... We've covered this. Hunchback's fucking great. It's incredible. It's uh, fucking great. Where to begin? Uh, uh, Phoebus, Esmeralda, beautifully animated and performed. It Quasimodo, does... the most fucking sympathetic and kind-hearted through just his motion before he even speaks character in the Disney canon. <laughs> Gorgeous, vulnerable vocal performance. Yeah. Um, it does sanitise aspects of the original novel. Oh, absolutely. Granted. Absolutely. But Frollo. Frollo. Witchcraft. Tony J in one of several Disney roles over the years, but that's his most prominent. Frollo is an incredible villain. As discussed in the earlier email, he's a villain driven by his faith. That's a bold move for a studio based in a country that is still primarily quite religious. Yeah. Like, that is that is a bold damn move much, to be like, oh, the big, God guy, he's the villain. It's a big take that to fundamental Christianity. Um, gorgeous score. Clopin. Oh, um, so good. The, uh, what's it? Uh, Topsy Turvy Day. Um, Court of Miracles. Out there. Hellfire. Hellfire. God help the outcasts. Um... <gasps> What's it? Heaven's oh. Light. And of course, not forgetting The Bells of Notre Dame. Just one of the best Disney openings. It's stunning. There is a blotch on this. What's the blotch? And that is um, Victor Hugo and what's a face? What are they called? Victor Hugo and Laverne. Um. Played by Charles Kimbra, Jason Alexander, Mary Wicks, and a little bit of Jane Withers, respectively. Yes. Their performances are fine. Like, their performances are fine. But, but beyond the first ten minutes, the gargoyles are an element that really does make this a tough watch for a lot of people. Yeah. Because of genie syndrome. This is the point where they're like, we need wacky sidekicks who can do big visual, magical, musical numbers. The only song... It's a good song on its own, but when you put it up in that film, a guy like you doesn't work. Mm. On its own, it's great. It's a really funny musical number. It's got some terrible rhymes in it, but it's by a character who says terrible jokes. And though you're shaped like a croissantus... All that stuff. Yeah, I'd forgotten about like that. Like, Mondeur above, she's gotta love a guy like you. Like, it works, but not in that film. Take it out and put it in something else, please. Thank you very much. Um, also, it works... They Characters work well up until the 15th, 16th minute. Because, up to that point, you believe that they are literally in Quasi's head. They are yeah, gargoyles yeah. users to talk to. But then they start interacting with things. Yeah. Like, one of them fancies the goat for reasons. Uh, they start throwing things off during the fight at the end. And it's like, oh, they're alive then. That kind of ruins the oh, point I of I want to fuck that goat. It basically does. Yep. He, wants to fuck that, he wants to fuck that goat. I mean, who doesn't want to fuck that goat? <laughs> I'm losing to a bird. Terrible. <laughs> terrible, terrible. They are the one blotch on what is essentially Disney's darkest and quite possibly most magnificent work I think it is beautiful it's a stunning film and if you look very closely the cameos have started at this point in Aladdin the beast is one of the toys on the Sultan's Tower Um, in this one if you look very carefully Belle is walking out of the courtyard in front of Notre Dame toward the beginning very good so uh, they've started doing the little references now 
Um, up next, this divides a lot of people. I have a soft spot for it. What, it it's it's stupid, but I don't mind. I have one question for you. What? Who put the Glad in Gladiator? Hercules! Um, Ron Clements and John Musker return to direct, which is probably why it works. Bless my soul, work was on a roll. Oh, oh it's another so week in good. every Greek opinion poll. What a pro, Hercules show. Pouring a metal monster and you're talking as I rule. Again, the soundtrack, amazing. Out there <sighs> is from Hunchback. What's this one called? I have often dreamed. You also call my God. My have God. a far um. Oh my go God. the distance. Go the distance. Fuck me sideways. Roger Bart is the vocals for Young Hercules. Yeah, Michael Bolton did a version of it. It's the tying single. single. The tying single. Yeah. <gasps> we could do a whole episode when on, I on go the credits versions. The distance, I'll be right where I belong. <laughs> Um, I love this. All the things have so far I've said, like in this database, based on this novel, based on this fairy tale, yes. based on this historical person, based on Hercules, Greek myth, Greek myth, basically yeah, pretty much. Um, Hercules is. I love it because I'll I, I kind of, I kind of get it. It's fucking Greek. You go, girls. <laughs> I love it because I get it. It's a sports movie and a superhero movie. Yes. But it's also a Disney musical. Like, it's it's not a Disney animated musical. It's a sports film and a superhero film. Um, it's got some weird, mean-spirited shit going on behind the scenes. Uh, oh, yeah, James the Woods ca- is in it. So. James Woods being in it. But the thing is, in the context of this product, Hades, James Wood, that performance, great. Yeah. Weirdly, it's part of that creepy shit that was going on with Katzenberg and yeah. everything in the late 90s. Um, he's Hades is an impression of Jeffrey Katzenberg. Oh. Yeah. Katzenberg had gone by this point. I was on his way out. And James Woods didn't like him. So the impression was that Hades was originally a lot more musical theatre grandiose. Fucking hell. If James Woods doesn't like you. (laughs) You must be. You must be a shit heel. Or Or a a really good person. Yeah. One of the two. Because it's James Woods. I think we know where Katzenberg falls on that though. Um, I love this. I love Megara. Meg is brilliant. Pain and Panic are a lot of fun visually. Yeah. Um, I even like um, Danny DeVito as Pan. As, as Phil. Oh, Phil. As Pan. Pan. Phil Atides. He is a fawn. That's why I think Pan. You want to be a Phil hero Atides, kid yeah. then? Whoop-dee-doo. Yeah. I, I like Danny DeVito. I've I mean, been around the block I know before some people blackheads think, just like you. Some people peg him as, a, as an example of genie syndrome, but I think he's good in this. He works fine, I think. It, it, it's a nice part. Um... Pegasus is great. Yeah. As a visual. Uh, it's beautifully done. Some gorgeous animations. Very cutting in style. Cameo from Scar's um, hide. He's posing in it. When he's posing for his yes. portrait, he's wearing Scar's hide. Nice. <laughs> the Titans are a great design. Mm-hmm. Riptorn, the criminal. Zeus is very entertaining. The Hydra. Uh, oh my god. Now this is where they really start dabbling with the CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it works because the CGI takes on the design of the 2D animation. Yes. Um, the Hydra's I, I love. I love the angular... Um, designs in this. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. You'd be using uh, sort of Greek urns and, and plate designs as the basis for the character designs. Yeah. Like the, cur- the curl of the chin, the chin yeah. with a yeah. curl. Yeah. And the, 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 the literal Greek chorus. Yes. On the on the pottery of, of the uh, the muses. Yeah, the muses are um, fabulous. I'd like to make some sweet music. Our first story <laughs> starts in... God, it's so good. Um, I know a lot of people don't love it, but I love it. I, great. Yeah, Hercules is fucking great. I'm not familiar with this next one. Okay. Mulan. 
I'm not that familiar with Mulan. Lucy fucking loves Mulan. Um, and I need to sit down and rewatch it because I think I've only ever seen it the once. But I remember as a kid figuring out their formula by this point. Yeah. Specifically the sidekick. Fuck Eddie Murphy. I mean, if we have to. Uh, yeah, I don't like I don't. I'd like to at least, like, you know, have some wine first. I'm not interested in Eddie Murphy's Dragon Man. Um, uh, Dragon! I don't do that tongue thing. <sighs> um, but I, I remember liking it. I remember thinking the visuals were amazing. I remember thinking that our villain, who is... People like it. Is what his name, right? What's his name? Shan Yu. Also. Is frightening. Yes. Let us not forget that Captain Hero Man. Uh, Captain Lee Shang. Yeah. BD Wong. Also. Donny Osmond. It's confused by the fact that he likes Mulan as much as Ping. Yeah. And they don't make a thing of that as no. well, which is kind of brilliant. They like, don't. Oh. They don't make a thing of... Oh, mostly because they go into that traditional fairy tale thing of like, let's not discuss sexuality and personal like sort of assessment. But as a side, as a side, um, it's it's aged as better a, yeah. as a result. As a result of that, it's the the sort of implied bisexuality ages has, has been like, oh okay, all right. Uh, interesting facts about this: um, Jackie Chan provided the voice of Li Shang in all three Chinese versions. And appeared in the version of promotional music videos of I'll Make a Man Out of You. Yeah, there is. There is also the singing voice. Yes. Of Li Shang in the Chinese releases. And it's, it is pretty fucking good. <laughs> Ming-Na Wen as Mulan. Ming-Na Wen. But specifically, Leah Salonga as her singing voice. Oh, yeah, Jesus. She is the singing voice of Mulan and Jasmine. Yeah, Leah um, Salonga's great. God, there's so many people. Very George Takai is the first ancestor. I don't realise that. Um... God, the, the voice cast of this is actually amazing. When you oh, look yeah, at it. yeah. Because this is when they started really spending money on the voice cast. But also, like, um, you know, in terms of the ethnicity of the voice cast, they there's not a lot of people pretending to be yeah, yeah. the characters. Like, the characters with a straight-up American accent are American actors for the most part, but they've gone for actors of Chinese-American or Chinese heritage, yeah. which is good. Um Reflection is from this one, isn't it? As well, yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah, good, good film. I need to, I need to introduce myself to it a bit more. Uh, we're moving into the modern era, Matt. I can't wait. With 1999's Tarzan, yeah, I, I really like Tarzan. I, Have you I, seen I, Tarzan? I had, I've never seen Tarzan. I had checked out of uh, 99, so I would have been, I would have only been 11. After, but... after the battles in Mulan. It just wasn't doing it for me anymore. After the battles in Mulan, Tarzan is the first action adventure, straight mm. up. Like, it's not a musical. There are There is music in it. Phil Collins provided songs for the film, which score the uh, events of the movie as it goes on. And they do work. They're all pretty great. But this is an action film with a ro- like a romantic core to it. Yeah. I urge you to check this I remember seeing out. the trailer for it. I really like the animation style. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And Phil Collins did the music for it, didn't he? Oh, yeah, but it's still beautiful. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Fuck you! Phil Collins is great! I had to get that in there, though. Uh, Tony Goldwyn is Tarzan. Excellent bloody... Um... Oh, I've just read something that I never knew. I'll get back to it in a moment. Okay. Uh, Tony Goldwyn is Tarzan. Mini Driver is Jane Porter. Uh, you know, you said, like... Um... 
You know, you said that Ariel was your first cartoon crush. Jane for you. Jane for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it. I would argue, still have a bit of a crush on Jane. She's fucking adorable, and it's just such a great performance. Um, and this is something I love as well. The scene where Jane describes meeting Tarzan for the first time to her father and Clayton was improvised by Driver, resulting in Ken Duncan animating one of the longest animated scenes on record. Jesus. It, it's not a huge scene, but it's just the cons- consistency. Yeah, yeah. And Daddy... They took my boot. It's just, it's so... Oh, those are the ones I bought you. <laughs> I was saved. Saved by a flying wild man in a loincloth. Loincloth, good lord. <laughs> it's just so freaking good. Glenn Close as Carla, Tarzan's adoptive mother. She's beautiful in this, like, wonderful performance. Lance Henriksen as Kerchak. He's great in this. And it made me think that Lance Henriksen should do more animation. Brian Blessed Brian as Clayton. motherfucking Blessed. As Clayton, one yeah. of the fiercest Disney villains. Well, my my um, my exposure to Tarzan is pretty much limited to the Kingdom Hearts um, world. Oh, so you've game. heard him talking. I know, yes, I'm yeah. familiar with Clayton from that. Um, uh, basing his design, the basic design on Clark Gable and other film stars of the 30s and 40s, which you get in sort of the stature of the war. Yeah. Uh, Nigel Hawthorne as Professor Archimedes Q. Porter. He's freaking great. Uh, this was Hawthorne's final voice acting role before his death in 2001. Oh. Rosie O'Donnell as Turk. Don't be fooled, she's pretty damn charming in it. Wayne Knight as Tantor, which is great. Uh. Um, and, oh! Eric Von Detten and Jason Marsden as Flint and Mungo, who are two of the, uh, two of the gorillas. But here's something I just learned from reading this that I didn't know before. Tarzan's yell. Yes. So Tony Goldwyn's Tarzan. Yeah. Tarzan's yell was provided by Brian Blessed. <laughs> I had no idea. Can you imagine? That's incredible. I mean, obviously, if you've got if you've got Brian Blessed on your cast and you need some yelling, I mean, maybe ask him to do some yelling for yeah, you. Yeah, like just get in the studio for that. It's like, oh, Brian, all right. Here's a microphone. Oh! That was just my warm-up. <laughs> oh, you want to go for a take, do you? <laughs> oh, God. Tarzan's alive. Um, <laughs> also, one of the grimmest Disney villain deaths. And I won't oh. spoil it for you. Oh. I want you to watch it. One of the grimmest Disney villain deaths. Um, also, Disney's most expensive animated film until Treasure Planet as well. Uh, Tarzan was not usually well received at large critically. No, this is where this is where it started winding down. For I them. think that's because it deviated from the musical formula. Yeah, um, it invented tree surfing as a concept. Sure, it's got some damn fine action. It's got a secondary villain in the form of Sabor, who's a leopard, who's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the tensest opening sequence of a Disney movie. Please watch it. <laughs> in fact, if you promise to bring it back next week and give us your thoughts on the podcast. You can borrow it today. I can't promise that, but I think it's on Now TV. It's 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, just sacrifice a good poo. Don't have a good poo and watch Tarzan You have no idea how integral a good poo is to my day running smoothly. Like a good poo. Speaking of a good poo, should we check out a couple more emails before we move into the 2000s? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Over um, on the Twitter sphere, John, Ginger Animator, sounds familiar. Says, um, why has no one here stated the obvious and clear winner? Basil the Great Mouse Detective, complete with a gif of Rattigan tap dancing. But then a similar John has said, nice. Don's moustache, it is I, a different John here, to <laughs> proclaim that the best is in fact Treasure Planet. Good day, sirs. Huff, huff, huff. 
Very good. Very good. Uh, and also, Tom, Tom Dix uh, boosts that. Sorry, Tom, forget. Tom Dix boosts that. Saying, Aside from The Lion King, I've got to say Treasure Planet wins. It's the most underrated Disney movie. Not only does it look amazing, but it has, a, it has Emma Thompson voicing a space cat. And it has the greatest comic character in any Disney movie, Ben. More people need to watch it. I'm not sure I agree with you on the Ben thing, Tom, but uh, I, it has taken me years to warm up to Martin Short. So maybe on a revisit, I'll like Ben a bit more. But uh, it's a funny gif. Of a complete CGI character hand-drawn animated over the top of. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I need to check out Treasure Planet, don't I? It is great. Um, this one comes in from George. Hiya, you're hey. Um, there's some other stuff in here which I'm going to save for another day because it's questiony stuff that's not related to our Disney topics. Sorry, George. Um, but next in, time. In terms of Disney stuff, yeah, we've got a couple of emails that we're not going to get to all of, if at all, this week because they're not Disney related. Um, this one comes in from George saying... Greetings, big damn lads. I write to you, having seen your summons to devoted audience to tell their favourite animated Disney films. I mangled that, didn't I? Um, <laughs> just like Minnie's mangling my hoodie right now. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. That's fine, I don't mind. Um, Send the bill to Minnie. No, she likes to have a chew, so let her have a chew. Um, as long as it's not my fingers. <laughs> well, I'm a fan of the classics, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, etc. I myself find favour in the following three films. Trez Your Planet, ah! Mulan, and my all-time favourite... I think you're going to get a kick out of this one. Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Fuck yes. I hope this doesn't break the rules. Of combat. And we'll get to your other questions next week, George, because I do want to talk about them. Um, oh, hey. And finally, finally from the emails, again, we're going to table some of this emails for, um, for next week because um, in- interesting, interesting stuff. Um... This one comes in from friend of the show, star of stage and screen, Charlie. Hello, Charlie! Uh, hello, my lovely boys. <laughs> I don't know why he's doing it in that voice. Um, I don't think I'm alone in saying that the Disney Company's back catalogue makes up a large and significant part of my cultural upbringing. I was born in the late 80s, the same year The Little Mermaid came out and the Disney Renaissance of the 90s began. Arguably one of the best pre-world dominating periods the company ever had. <laughs> The first film, Disney or otherwise, I ever ever saw at the cinema was Aladdin. I've been hopelessly in love with it ever since. I think you mean Jasmine. Um, I struggle to divorce the sentimental... Well, come on. You've seen a smile, right? Oh. You've seen that gif doing the rounds all week of him doing the whole, like, hand behind his neck thing. It's like, damn. Aladdin. Aladdin. I'm just saying it now. Aladdin could get it. Carry on. I struggle to divorce (laughs) the sentimental from the real in this case. I think, like Chris, Robin Williams' performance subconsciously set me on a track to becoming a performer myself... So very many years later. So I have to a lot to personally thank slash blame the film for in that regard. Um, but yeah, more I've, than I've, that... I've said a lot on social media recently, recent weeks, in the build-up to the remake coming out, that Robin Williams' performance in the film introduced me to what voice acting was. Because I got it. As I grew up as a kid, I was like, oh my god, that's him! Like, I, yeah. I finally put it together. Yeah, yeah. And that, got, that started my fascination in voice acting and character acting specifically. So Nice. I blame Aladdin too. <laughs> but but more than that, it's just so good. <laughs> the whole thing feels like lightning in a bottle and inherently unreplicatable. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think that The Lion King is more epic, Beauty and the Beast is more worthy, in quotes, but Aladdin has lodged itself in my heart like a tick. <laughs> and I doubt I'll ever let go. If you, if you have a tick in your heart, that is a problem. You should carve it out with a spoon! Oh, no! Um, there are also some other questions in there which I want to get to the next week because they are, of course... Juicy? Really good questions. Um, <laughs> as Charlie always sends. Um, 
But yeah. Yes. So we're at the end of the Renaissance now. We're at the end of the Renaissance. Let's, well, rattle, let's rattle through these because the, we're, we're, we're over the two hour mark. And these next ones talk. are technically in the Renaissance, but. Yeah. yeah. Fantasia 2000. Fuck off. It is not great. That is not the fault of the animation or necessarily the score. Yeah, it's not film though, is it? No, but it's also very Michael Eisner in that it's full of celebrities. Uh, celebrities appear in live action to link uh, the different sections. No. And as a result, it takes away any charm. No. Um, although it does have some really cool visual set pieces. Uh, the CGI ones have dated more than the hand-drawn ones, of course. Yes, yes, yes. 39 on the docket. Jesus. May 2000's release, Dinosaur. Dinosaur is... A film. The next movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just bring I don't about know shit about Dinosaur. Dinosaur was their first fully CGI animated film in the canon. Remember it coming out? Never seen it. Um, it's basically like the story of the extinction and some dinosaurs moving. That wasn't an invitation, Christopher. Yeah, DB Sweeney. <laughs> DB Sweeney, Alfred Woodard, Ozzy oh, okay. Davis, yeah, yeah. Max Casella, Hayden Panettiere, okay. Samuel E. Wright. Next. Blah, 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 blah. blah. It's fine but is also the re uh, the the uh, birthed one of the most frightening theme park rides in florida okay the dinosaur ride in florida is horrifyingly scary Ooh. for a kid's ride it's in animal kingdom go check it out and shit your pants folks <laughs> speaking of shit your pants that's a ringing endorsement the emperor's new groove i do like this so there are lots of people who, who, who like this but this I... is where disney starts to become dreamworks yeah it completely passed it's by. really weird yeah. um do check it out Animation, like the stylistic approach, is great. Yzma is a freaking hilarious villain. Um, pull the lever! <laughs> Wrong lever! Uh, she's played by Eartha Kitt, so you know what kind of insanity you're Okay, yeah, for. yeah, yeah. Her, her, yeah. her sort of dog's body cronk, the lovable sort of, the lovable uh, villain sidekick is Patrick Warburton. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. In probably sure, sure, his sure, introduction sure. to a lot of our generation sure, and, and sure, beyond. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, all um, right. All right. It's great. Uh, even David Spade in the lead role is not bad. He's really good. John Goodman is great in it. John Goodman, yeah, he's always a player. <laughs> worth a watch. It is worth a watch. Tom Jones has the introductory song basically summing up who Kuzco is. He's just this tiny little afro thing just singing. Brilliant. Sure. It's a lot of fun, but it's not It's not your typical Disney. But this is... It was necessary because this is where the tone starts to change. Yeah. And the Disney movie as we know it starts to become less common. Um, 41, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. You love this movie. I've never seen it. I love it so much. Um, The story of of Milo uh, Thatch uh, finding out that his his grandfather's research into Atlantis is real. And um, what's it? Uh, Preston B. Whitmore, who's a contemporary of his grandfather, is like, I'm funding an expedition. You're going to go down there. We found some stuff go on it so it's steampunky it's very Jules Verne like it's got all that kind of vibe going on but the hand drawn animation is stunning I hate to see this don't my I? second animated crush came out of this one Kida Kiragakash Kiragakashnaga um <laughs> it's great also the first sort of um, because this is a very celebrity laden cast yeah not advertised as but it is mm. but the main female lead Kida um Kiragakash is played by Cree Summer, who's a voice acting legend. Like she's, she's like voice acting royalty. Yes. Um, you know her from God knows what, like everything, Rugrats, um, Batman Beyond, 
Pinky and the Brain and Elmira. Like, just, she's been in everything. She's been in absolutely everything. Um, and here she is as a lead, and she's brilliant. But the voice cast includes Michael J. Fox as Milo James yeah, Thatch. Yeah. James Garner as Commander Lyle Tiberius Rook, who visibly That's a name. is totally freaking modelled after Tommy Lee Jones. Mm. And he's he's a great villain. Um, Don Novello as Vinny. Uh, Phil Morris as Dr. Sweet. Dr. Joshua Sweet. Claudia Christian as Helga, another great villain. Um, Jacqueline... Oh, yeah, spoiler alert. They're both baddies. Jacqueline Albrador's Audrey. Brilliant. Florence Stanley as Bertha. Brilliant. Forget your jammies, Mrs. Packard. I sleep in the nude. Put <laughs> <laughs> sweet hands in my blind voices. I want to wear these. <laughs> she sleepwalks. Um... <laughs> David Ogden Steers, again, in it as uh, one of the members of the Smithsonian Institute, who gets a lot of lights. John Mahoney as um, Preston B. Whitmore. Jim Varney as Cookie. I got your four basic food groups. Beans, bacon, whiskey, and lard. It's a great movie. Uh, Corey Burton as Mole. <gasps> and Leonard Nimoy is, uh, as the King of Atlantis. He's amazing in it. It's so good. CGI and animation blended beautifully. Yeah. It's an adventure film. It's a peril film. Um, it's stunning. But it wasn't the Disney film no. that everyone was expecting. And as a result, Tarzan wasn't the palate cleanser that it needed to be. No. And and this is where it started to lose people a little. Lilo and Stitch. A love Lilo and Stitch. Or Hannah means family. A fucking love Lilo and family Stitch. Family means nobody gets left behind. It's so sweet. And again, this feels more like a reactive film. I know it's not, but it kind of feels like it. This feels like a reaction to the Iron Giant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, okay. We're going to tell a sci-fi story Yeah, yeah. Uh, through our studio instead. But the thing is, like The Iron Giant, it, it survives because of its heart. It's beautiful. Yeah, the relation, the, the, rela- the titular relationship is just so warming. Directed, uh, co-directed and written by Chris Sanders. It's based on his unpublished 1985 children's book. Never let go of a bad idea, folks. You never know when it might actually get a chance to surface. And it shines. It shines. It's gorgeous. Experiment, is it Experiment 626? I think so. Is that his designation? Um, and again, another one of the few ones that has like... Oh, and Chris Sanders voiced him as well. Okay. Uh, one of the few ones that has um, expanded into like... If you like Lilo and Stitch and you really love it, you have so much extra material to delve into. Yeah. And a terrible ride. Um, <laughs> not horrible, but it replaced something much cooler. Um, wow. Oh, oh my God. What? Tia Carrera was, um, what's it? Uh, Nani. Is that, um, Lilo's older sister? Yeah. Yeah. See, everyone thinks of him in General Hospital and stuff, but I immediately yeah, think yeah. of Wayne's World. <laughs> and her name was Cassandra. Um, David Ogden Steers, again, he's Dr. Jumba. Um, it's just, Ving Rhames was Cobra. Yeah, of course yeah. he was. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. Kevin Michael Richardson as Star Wars, Captain Gantu. Um, it's a great movie. It is great. And the visuals and Hawaii and everything is beautiful. I hesitate Love. to let you know that the live action remake is on its way. <laughs> Ron Clements and John Musker, those beautiful, beautiful men that gave us Basil and Little Mermaid and Aladdin. All these beautiful projects they worked on finally get to make their passion project. But by this point, the streak has gone and Disney aren't backing them as much no. as they should be. Treasure Planet, boys and girls. Based, is... of course, on Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. And Treasure Island in Outer Space, the Italian TV miniseries by Renato Castellini. 
this was their this was their baby. They've been trying to get this made since the eighties. Um, Treasure Planet is Treasure Island. We've seen it done a million times. Yeah. But if the Muppets have proved anything, a recontextualization of a classic tale can breathe new life into it. And also, there's a reason why it's come up so often in mm. what people have been saying to us. Because a lot of our listeners are younger than us and grew up with this one rather than us where we sort of had to seek it out if we wanted to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I miss Treasure Planet. I miss that. Like I said, I've got huge gaps. Huge gaps in this period of Disney. That's all because of the drinking. But, yeah, um, yeah, I started drinking. <laughs> at the age of 12. Just I started drinking wasted. at the age of 12. But, um, it's a lie, I didn't. You did. I was 10. Yeah. Uh, but uh, double digits, folks. You know, yeah. be sensible. Uh, so, um, you know, it's... it's A lot of things meant that this film didn't get the, the, the audience it probably should have gotten. I think Titan A.E. was probably part of that as well. Yeah, because around the same time. movies, weren't they? Yeah, and again, like, Titan A.E., as we realise now, was basically was the pilot for Firefly. Yeah, um, I suppose. But not as good as Firefly, but still. Um, Treasure Planet is worth a look in, guys. It really, really is. And I say that because I'm a Disney fan who wasn't asked. And then in 2013, picked it up in a two-for-one DVD. Wow. Because they do that, obviously, every now and again. I was like, oh, go on. Well, Lucy and I watched it. And then watched it again the next day. <laughs> so we're like, that is brilliant. Just a very quick skim of the voice cast to give you an idea wow. of, of the uh, the talent coming into it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Jim Hawkins. Yeah, yeah. David Hyde Pierce is Dr. Delpert Doppler. Emma Thompson is Captain Amelia. Yeah. Martin Short as Ben. Brian Murray as John Silver. One of the most brilliantly layered, scare quotes, villains in Disney movies. Yeah. Um, Tony Jay's the narrator because of course he fucking is. <laughs> he's great. Of course he's the narrator. He should narrate everything. But also, it's the steampunk, sci-fi, monstrous versions of the pirates and everything. It's yeah, I feel like this so and, cool. and Atlantis. Like John John Silver's a cyborg. Pieces, yeah, he's a cyborg because he's not just—he's lost his leg. Sure, so he loses his leg and he's lost his arm, so he replaces him. Yeah, of course he does. Steampunk pirates, steampunk. and also Stitch makes an appearance as a stuffed toy on Jim oh. Young Jim Hawkins' shelf. Oh, brother bear. I have never seen I it. I know nothing about Brother Bear other than it's Whacking Phoenix is in it and it's about bears. Yep. Oh, well, uh, boys that become bears. It's also one of the last films Rick Moranis was in. Uh, Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas as Rut and Took, which makes sense because they were... Um, what was their comedy double act? Oh, my God, what was their... Co- they, they were, they were, I don't know. Oh, my God, they, they were known as something for ages. Oh my god, what were they called? They were they were Canadian sort of national treasures. Screwing hell, that's going to bug me. Bob and Doug McKenzie, that's it. Okay. Uh, so Bob and Doug McKenzie played two mooses in it, so why not? Sure. Home on the Range. I've seen this, I freaking hate it. <laughs> it's just not, I mean, the, yeah, the tagline is Buster Moo. Yeah, because this is as DreamWorks were rising to prominence, so this, yeah. they're trying to sort of edge in on that style, and it did didn't suit they're trying to get wackier and as a result it doesn't work no also you have a cast this cast is such a mixed bag are you ready for this i'll read you the first five names okay roseanne barr <sighs> judy dench oh jennifer tilly ah cuba gooding jr mm-hmm. randy quaid <sighs> so <laughs> don't bother chicken little don't bother. No. My my biggest memory of Chicken Little. I have seen it. I not, think I've it's seen not it. great. I think I've seen it. That that's their second CGI from top to bottom one. Yeah. 
It's the story of Chicken Little, sort of. Like, I don't think it's the story of the skies falling. I think it's... Oh, that's it. It's an alien invasion is happening, but no one believes him because of the skies falling. Sure, 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 sure. Because, of course. I hated that film before I even saw it. And I'll tell you why. I went to Disneyland Paris in 2005. Yeah. Disneyland Paris always do big showcases in the studio section of their upcom- the big upcoming Disney releases. Yeah. Um, Chicken Little was the upcoming release. So it was covered in Chicken Little stuff. I couldn't have given two shits. I wanted to see some classic animation stuff. So I'm sit- whenever I see its little face, I'm like, ugh. Meet the Robinsons! I've not seen this. Completely Lucy swears by it. By. Completely passed me by. She says it's a lot of fun. Um, it's a time travelly story, as one can imagine. Oh God! Because um, of course, it's a time travelly story. It's it's sort of a it's a take on uh, a day with Wilbur Robinson, the children's book. Nope. Um, that's where it comes from. I'm really sorry, Lucy keeps ringing me, and I'm going to have to answer the phone. Oh, we're, for we're recording God's the podcast. Sake. Yes, I just, <laughs> I just text you to tell you that, but don't worry. It's in the middle of us talking about Meet the Robinsons. Oh. Now, you've seen Meet the Robinsons, haven't you? No. No? no. What's the one you've seen that I think is... Why, why would I watch that trench? <laughs> I thought you'd seen Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> Wait, is there a DreamWorks film that's kind of similar? Or am I getting confused? Uh, probably. Disney film, Meet the Robinsons, the guy with the bowler hat. Bowler hat guy. <laughs> Well, you're no help. You're on your way home. <laughs> oh, oh, go on. What's the favourite? Bear in mind, you are on microphone, even even very quietly. No, no one can hear you. You're on microphone very quietly. Matt, make yeah. la-la um, I am making noises while I'm oh. checking my emails. Checking my emails. Check, check, checking my emails. Um, Minnie. Minnie, are you asleep? Uh, my battery's like about to die, so let me know how much now and I'll do it now. But I've got to use my phone for a information okay right you're gonna have to talk about the next film because i need to use my phone oh what is the next film bolt i can't talk about bolt i've not seen it either screw bolt came out while i was working at blockbuster oh my god tying game and that's all i know about it well we'll dip to a couple tweets quickly before we do the final stretch dan shedet dan has to be aladdin for me the film is surrounded by amazing, unforgettable characters. Not just Robin's mesmerizing Jeezy, 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 genie, but also includes the best Disney villain. Yes. Oh, but also Hercules and Aristocats. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Jack Goldsworthy doesn't give any reasons. He just puts Fantasia. No! To be fair, Fantasia is the only one to feature the devil. Chernobog. Yeah. Not the devil. Not in Ball Mountain. Different gods. And Alec Gilston, Alex Gilston, hello, says, well, because people have already mentioned Lion King and Treasure Planet, I have to go with my other favourite, Big Hero 6. Oh. Matthew Erogenous Zone Watson. What? What know you of The Princess and the Frog? Um, Only that you keep telling me to watch it and I've still not watched it. Right. Princess and the Frog was Disney's first dip back into hand-drawn. They're only one. Pretty much, yeah. To this day, it's, it's the date. only feet as far as feature length go. Well, we need we need the poo after that, but we didn't get that one over. Oh yeah, okay. But I have seen some of it, and we will touch on it. Um, Craig Ferguson plays Owl, ah! which is hilarious because his his teenage best mate Peter Capaldi plays Rabbit in Christopher Robin, um, as you do. So, uh, Princess and the Frog is amazing. 
Not just because of it being hand-drawn, or return to hand-drawn animation, but because the score is brilliant, the songs are brilliant. I am such a sucker for Alan Menken's involvement, Tim Rice, Howard Ashman lyrics. This is not them. This is Randy Newman. Oh. <laughs> Most associated with Disney, of course, because of the Toy Story films and yeah. Bugs Life. Um, and that brilliant bit where Will Sasso plays him in an honest trailers video, which is like, there's a the bug, tiny bug, there's a the bug, left, left foot, foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, fat man with his kids and dog, going through the morning fog, hey there, Rover, come on over. <laughs> Randy Newman brings his... Unique blend of lyricism to Princess and the Frog with varying results. None of the songs are bad. You really like uh, the, the villain song. Oh my God, Matt, I shit you not. It's the best villain song. And I'll tell you why. Tell me for how. Poor Unfortunate Souls why. is great, but it only works in context of the scene. Okay. Yeah. Um, Prince Ali reprise is all we get. It's great, but it's not a full song. <laughs> Gaston is sung by people to him. Be prepared. Yeah, it's all right. Um, Hellfire. Amazing. But it's not a villain song. It's, it's you know, it's not a, I'm the villain song. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Friends on the other side is Keith David singing about being a voodoo magician who's going to make your desires come true for a price. Desires? Yeah. But all that, was it? All the fancy living takes green. It's the green, it's the green, it's the green you'll need. And when I look into your future, it's the green that I see. Because, <gasps> of course, he turns him into a frog. Yes. Um, Facilier the Shadow Man is one of Disney's best villains, and not everyone knows about him because no one's watched Princess and the Frog. People! Go and watch Princess and the Frog. Well, that's why they didn't make any more hand-drawn ones, because no one watched Princess and the Frog. Which sucks, people are dicks. Go and watch it, guys. Go and buy it en masse. Because it's beautiful. It is absolutely stunning. I've been saying I'll give it a watch for the best part of a decade at this point. Well, we're going to have to force you. Okay. Anika Nonny Rose is Tiana, who is amazing and is finally getting used a lot more in the princess like marketing banner. Bruno Campos is Prince Naveen, who's charismatic and hilarious as fuck. Michael Leon Woolley is, is Lewis, a friendly, neurotic, trumpet-playing alligator whose dream is to become a human so he can join a jazz band. That is genuinely the plot, and it works. Jim Cummings gets his first starring role in a Disney movie, uh, outside of Woody the Pooh stuff, as Ray, who's a Cajun Firefly, yes. who is freaking adorable. You told me about Keith Ray. David is Dr. Facilier, Keith and he's amazing. Keith David! And you better watch it. You better put on the Princess and the Frog glasses or start eating that trash can. Um, <laughs> Jennifer Cody is Lottie, and uh, John Goodman as Big Daddy are... Brilliant. Uh, Jennifer Lewis's Mama Odi, who's an old as fuck voodoo priestess living in the bayou, is amazing. Peter cool. Bartlett as Lawrence is a really funny sort of like character performance that is hilarious without the anime. Like you can close your eyes, listen to his lines, and think they're brilliant. Um, it's just enhanced by the visuals. Um, oh, yes. And a bunch of other amazing voice actors are all involved, and it's great. And you all need to watch it. Princess and the Frog. Go watch it now. Prince, you dirt. Princess. 7am, the, the usual morning line up Tangled. 
Tangled is the so far the only one of the CGI animated ones that I sort of think captures the Disney spirit. Tangled is really fucking good. Again, down to the songs, the classic teams coming back and everything, but Tangled, you can imagine Tangled in 2D and it not losing anything, nor gaining anything. It just stays the same kind of magic. It would work well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just uh, Mandy Moore, Zachary Levi. Yes. Um, Donna Murphy, especially. Mm. Ron Perlman's in that one as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, he's, this, he's, he's the Stabbington brothers. <laughs> as you are. Oh, no, hang on. No, no, no. Um, he's the one who speaks. <laughs> of course. Um... I thought it was two separate ones, but apparently only one of them ever opens his damn mouth. Uh, Tangled is great. It's gorgeous and beautiful and stunning and the songs are amazing. And and Rapunzel is one of the most instantly likeable, adorable characters ever. It's also got Pascal in it. And what is the name of the horse? Because he's the best damn thing in the world. What's the damn name of the horse? Maximus! Maximus is brilliant. That is one of the best character animations ever. 2011's Winnie the Pooh. It's pretty damn great. I do encourage you to watch it. Didn't see it. It's not counted in the UK. Wreck-It Ralph. I really like Wreck-It Ralph. Hit me, because I've still not watched it. Um, It's, again, going back to... Um, Jason Water, by the way. No, no, I'm just... Okay. My, the, the the mucus in my eyes is, is very thick. Uh, <laughs> my allergies are kicking. Well, that's the name of the episode. <laughs> yes. Uh... Wreck-It Ralph, uh, like Lilo and Stitch, that at the at the core of it and why it works so well is the relationship between Ralph and Vanellope, mm. which is two two misfits bouncing off each other in in a way that simultaneously brings out the worst and the best of them, and helps them both to realize their dreams and who they are and what they can offer to other people. It's two broken people helping to fix each other. It's a really, really sweet movie. And also, Alan Tudyk's great in it. And also, um, the uh, the uh, subplot with Fix-It Felix and uh, the... The soldier lady who's Jane Lynch plays, whose name I cannot recall. Uh, Sergeant Jean Calhoun. Sergeant Calhoun uh, is <laughs> just fabulous. The uh, the the visual invention inventiveness inventiveness of the uh, the different video game worlds that they visit um, is astounding. Uh, some great great gags in the sugar sugar rush uh, world, which is, is a is like the major location of the movie. It's the um, the candy themed cart racer that Vanellope uh, originates from. Uh, Laffy Taffy, <laughs> Laffy Taffy that gets longer as it laughs. <laughs> it's very good. Um, yeah, Wreck It Ralph is good, good fun with a very sweet heart. However, the cynicism of the sequel has not led me to has, has not. Um, led to be not seeking it out. Unfortunately. I'm very sorry. I'm so sorry. You should be sorry. I'm so sorry. They'll all be sorry, Chris. Do you know what I'm sorry what? for? Uh, the fact that I'm sorry, guys. I don't love our next entry. Particularly. 
It's Frozen. I really like Frozen. I came to it... Get out. I I came to it a lot later than the initial um, rush of love. Oh, the fact that it was everywhere for about three years. Mm. I came to it later than that, but I watched it on Christmas Day a couple of years back, and I'm not afraid to admit that I shed a tear. Oh. And it's a good, good Disney film. It started a trend that I don't enjoy, though, in Disney and Pixar's, which is the surprise villain. Yeah. Which, you know, it's like something that's after the Renaissance. I think we were spoiled in the Renaissance by really good villains and yeah. baddies. And, and that sort of stops around here. Um, it's a shame, because I kind of want to see some more baddies. I mean, even, even a King Candy, from what I've seen is a pretty horrific body horror style villain at one point. Oh yeah, the the, the stuff that Alan And Tudic, also an impression of Ed Wynn. The stuff that Alan Tudyk does with King Candy and Wreck-It Ralph is top notch. That's when he kicks sticks around as well. After that he's like in every yeah, single he's, one of he's, them. Yeah, he's he's a Disney go-to now, yeah. He he's the uh, he's the the, the uh, delegate whatever his name is, the one that they they got heads with in Frozen. Yes. So he's 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 starting to stick around. He returns again in the next one, another film with a surprise villain, but I'll forgive it because, like, at, it's least, so it's well got, at least it's got a villain. Oh. Big Hero 6. Beautiful. I watched this again recently. Um, and with, of course, two young boys in the company of, in the company of two two young lads. So you know, you haven't just kidnapped Yeah, them. no, 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 no. Yeah. Because <laughs> I spend a lot of time with, you, with the kids in my friends and family circles. Um, and yeah, just the way it deals with grief mm. and managing it all the while being a colourful and exciting action superhero movie, but then coming back round to the to the themes at the centre of it and and that very human core, I think a bit since Tangled, I think this is the this is what they've been aiming for, is mm. to hit this emotional core with their animated movies, and I think this is the one. This one really knocks it out of the park. Also, fucking Baymax is amazing. Yeah. Oh Christ. Yeah. Just, just such a great character. So, so disarming and warm, and it's, he's a big. He's a big cushion. <laughs> he's a cushion. But he's a cushion with personality. <laughs> I love Big Hero 6. I love it. So Again, it's one of the few I've got on Blu-ray. Are you satisfied with your care? Oh, fuck. I mean, I'm teary anyway because of, of the dog. And the eye mucus. As and the eye mucus. Described. <laughs> but I'm all... But just a... Th- oh, it's so... It's... It's mm. heart wrenching. It's the, and spoilers for Big Hero Six. It's at, it's at the end where he's forcing Hero to mm. leave him behind. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It's yeah. just. It's heartbreaking. I love it. I love Big Hero Six. Also, Anti Cast would get it. Zootopia. Oh yeah, cause it's, it's Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph. Yeah. 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 I'm not gonna say I'm attracted to funny women. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, well, speaking yeah. of funny women and furries, Zootopia. Oh! Judy Hopps, the character this... that spawned a thousand more filthy deviant art accounts. 
This one is great. Uh, Gin- Jennifer Goodwin's got such a wonderful spelling to her name. But yeah, uh, Jennifer Goodwin as Judy Hopps and Jason Bateman as Nick Wilde in an anthropomorphized take on uh, a cop story. But everything about it is... And we, we over here... For those of you who are listening in the UK going, Zootopia, what's that? Zootropolis. Zootropolis um, these days, yeah. No, Zoot- Zootropolis over here because they didn't think the UK audience would get Zootopia. Oh, right, okay, yeah. I always get it mixed. You know, the same way with the Smallville, Lois and Clark. I thing. always get it mixed up which way around it is. I know it's Utopian ones, Utopolis and Euro. But yes. It's so weird um, what happened. But yeah, it's... it's Again, it's this is dark. It is really dark. It's a buddy cop noir movie. It's really dark. The, um, way, the way that it's... It, it's it sort of with drugs and murder. Yeah, and it, is, it is literally drugs inciting uh, the predators in these... Um, in this food chain arrangement to... Be given to their basic savage instincts. It's awesome. Um, Annoyingly, surprise villain. But apart from that, it's such see, a well realized world. I don't get annoyed world. by that in the same way that you do. Nah, nah. I like my baddies because you can always see them coming anyway. Can you? Yeah. That's filthy. Do you have to pay extra. No. Who is it in this one? It's Jenny Slate. So, ooh, dodgy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, Idris Elba is a buffalo. Oh my god, who's the cop who's a big cheater? No, oh, I can't remember. Oh my god, hang on. Uh, da, 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 da. Nate Torrance as Benjamin Clawhauser. The, the, the thing that character is freaking adorable. The thing that is great about oh, J.K. Simmons as the mayor, Leodore Lionheart. Yes, yeah. The thing that's great about Zootopia's oh, and Alan Tudyk as Duke Weaselton. Yeah. Bloody hell. Zootopia slash Zootropolis is the, it the it comes down to and this is why this is I think the kind of thing that might be lost in a hand drawn animation that they get with CGI because of the consistency of assets. Mm, yeah. Instead of having to draw every cell, once you create a model, you can reuse that in some way. So what it allows them to do is to really densely pack this world with Really well thought out, entertaining, satisfying, funny sight gags and um, like visual, um, not jokes because that's just a sight gag, but just the way the world works is so satisfying to watch. Yeah, the execution of it is brilliant. And it's just a, a, a universe that's full of so much charm and ingenuity in its execution. And um, yeah, it's so densely packed. Every frame is so densely packed with clever shit. Shakira's tie-in song is also not horrible. Okay. Um, and the film, of course, uh, was remade in 2019 as Detective Pikachu. <laughs> We're on to the last two current ones of the Pikachu's <laughs> time. Tell me I'm wrong. Oh, you Change wrong. my mind. You're not wrong. That's the great thing. That's what makes it even funnier. I think this is the last one we've both seen. Okay. Uh, and it's Moana. Oh. Make way, make way. want to talk about... Moana, it's time you knew. Again, going back... Going back to Lilo and Stitch, going back to Wreck-It Ralph, going back to... There's an element of this. Shush. Shush, I'm being a film critic. It's so good, though. The soundtrack is fucking incredible. It's amazing. It goes... It, there's even an element of this in Big Hero 6 is the relationship between two outcasts, two misfits. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
And the the, the the buddy the buddy the buddy movie the buddy road trip movie essentially in this one. Yeah, it's a quest film. Two people who um, are missing something and they don't know what they're missing. They think they know what they're missing and what it is they want, but they help each other find it almost by accident. Yeah. Also, Jermaine Clement plays a fucking giant gem encrusted crab. What the fuck more do you want from a film? Aoli uh, Cravalho played Moana at oh, the time. She's... Fucking fantastic. At the time, she was like 14 when she started recording it. She's so good. Her voice is incredible. Um, she also played the role in the Hawaiian language version of the movie too. Yes. Because again, with this one, they cast with the um, ethnicity of its cast members in mind. Yeah, yeah. To make sure that this was not, you know, just sort of a... They, they focused on Polynesian... Uh, people of Polynesian descent. Yeah. Um, including... Dwayne Johnson as Maui, one of those beautiful marriages of we want a big name that we're not necessarily because it wasn't advertised on the back of The Rock. Yeah, but the the world knows The Rock right now. We all know Dwayne Johnson. We hear his voice, we know it's him. It's that beautiful marriage of the performer and the animation working together. Also down to Lin Manuel Miranda's songs. Yeah, because when he knew that Dwayne Johnson was playing Maui, he instantly knew. And this is hilarious. He instantly knew. That going back into my trivia, I'm so sorry. I'll try to get it short. No, please do. He instantly please knew do. what Dwayne Johnson's vocal range was because he remembered a WWF then WWF bit where The Rock picked up a guitar and mockingly sang something at Stone Cold. Brilliant. To take the piss out of him. Brilliant. He remembered that moment as a wrestling fan so vividly that he figured out Dwayne's range because Dwayne was unsure. That was the one thing he was nervous about with the role was the singing because he liked to sing but he never really sang as part of a job. And he came along, he heard the demo, and he went, I, I can do this. And Limon Miranda was like, yeah, of course you can. I wrote it with you completely in mind. Yeah. I figured out what your range was. He was like, okay. And Your Welcome is... I was going to say it's the breakout song of the movie, but it's not. No, the breakout song of the... It's the karaoke song of the movie. It's the be- one of the greatest moments in the, in the history of Disney's animated canon. And this is not a this is not a goat, this is completely sincere. Hit me. Is the chills you get mm-hmm. running down your spine as Moana is facing down the ocean. Yeah. And just belts her name, affirms her identity, she's like, I am Moana. Yeah. And the just it just comes from such such a strong place. I remember watching it and going, Jesus, fuck, that's good. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And yes. it's, and it, it yeah, I, I honestly feel like we're in a second Disney renaissance at the moment. Moana certainly kicks off for me, more so than Frozen. Moana is sort of that, Moana and Tangle kind of exist in that vibe for yeah. me. Um, uh, Rachel House is, is Tala, the grandmother, again, one of the best line deliveries in the whole movie. God, it's so, it's like oh. I thought it was just a dream. Nope. <laughs> oh. Jermaine Clement as Tamatoa uh, Nicole Scherzinger as Sinner um, don't watch anything behind the scenes of her because it just sort of seems like she just sort of showed up done it and then it's like yeah that was cool and then yeah. leaves um, which is a shame because I'm sure it was more than that and I'm sure it meant more than that but it just sort of that vibe goes off in the thing uh, Tamara Morrison who's always excellent oh, um, love Tamara Morrison as, uh, as Tui Moana's dad <laughs> uh, chief of the island I think <laughs> Tudyaka's hey hey because of course oh. Yeah, doing his doing his Frank Welker thing. Um, I think 
what this Sato Adonato for love what what no, oh, not. oh it's so good it's so good oh. um, shiny great villain song oh, so bringing back the villain songs um, to be fair Mother Knows Best is a great villain song in, in Tangled but still for all that yes that yeah. is very very good um, it does it comes closest to I think as, as Charlie said in his email the lightning in the bottle feeling of Aladdin. Yeah. The way that the animation and the performance, the voice performance, is so closely married. Most notably with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but even... Dwayne... I can't... He's just Dwayne Johnson. Don't have to say The Rock. But also in... But, <laughs> the man who needs no introduction, but two names. And also in the title character. But also in... in, in you know, more... Vitally important... But less prominent characters like Tamura Morrison's mm. um, Island Chief. The way that the uh, the animation portrays the the warmth and, and the the concern and, and and his inability to do the right thing because he know because it's what's best for his daughter because he wants to protect her. That the way that the animation gets those things over. And again, it's more front and centre in, in, in your star performances. You know, Albert Cravello and uh, Dwayne Johnson as Wana and, and Maui. Mm-hmm. But it, it's the closest, I think, a Disney animated film has come since Robin Williams' Genie and Aladdin to just being such a tight mar- union. Marriage of, of every element yeah. working together. Which is why Moana is just head and shoulders one of the among the best Disney ever put out. I just, it's, it's top three. I burst into tears on my first viewing. It's as top I was three for when that ray. Without going to too much, like when oh when yeah, oh, ray hits the water. oh god, yeah, it's so beautiful. And the second time when Moana confronts Tekar, yeah. and you realise where Tafiti has been this entire time. Because again, the yeah. film doesn't set that up that that's the thing. It's like Tekar is preventing them from reaching Tefiti. Yeah, and just the way it unravels in that final sort of twenty minutes is so beautiful. I love it. And neither of us have seen Ralph Breaks the Internet, so that brings us up to date. Before Frozen Two comes out I, later uh, this year, I want to go see Moana again. I want to watch Moana again. Don't we all? Well, what is the best Disney movie by our opinion? You'll have to find out next week. We're going to mull it over. We want to know what you think. You may have given your suggestions, but you might have changed your mind after hearing us divulge. So please, ladies and gentlemen, email in bigdamncontact at gmail.com and tweet us at bigdamncast. Now, before we go, yes, let's sort of put this into a nice little 10-minute sandwich. 10-minute sandwich. Because we're both very tired boys. And then, I mean, I could go. I could go for longer. Uh, but I've got to do food shopping. But, uh, I've, got to do, I've got to do food. Spoilers! For Aladdin 2019. Aladdin 2019. But to be honest, most of these spoilers are spoilers for a movie you've all definitely already seen. Yes. Um, listen, Aladdin I like. <laughs> Aladdin I like. I really like, I don't really like it. I quite like the, the 2019 Aladdin. I was pleasantly surprised. And Listeners to the podcast who've not seen our spoiler-free uh, video <laughs> so far already on it might expect us to riot, rag on it, but... The previews didn't do it justice. It isn't amazing. No. And it certainly isn't... It hasn't made me go, Oh, wow, you know what, movie? You proved me wrong. 
everything I expected was in there. Yeah. But there was so much more charm and it mostly came from its the moments where it wasn't trying to well, be a it, remake of the animated version. Yes. It really didn't do as much of that as I thought it was going to do. And when it does things like let Will Smith's genie breathe in his relationship with Dahlia and the way he mentors um, Aladdin, the film just comes alive. Yeah. And it really, and it it lets everyone, when it's letting everyone play and it's not trying to just do the same thing as before, which is impossible. You cannot replicate Robin Williams' genie. It doesn't matter how charismatic the person is that you put in that fucking role. You just can't do it. Because Robin Williams was one of a kind. Mm. We will not see his like again. But if you want to do a retelling of that story, then you could do a lot worse by getting someone as charismatic as Will Smith and just letting him do his thing. Yeah. And it's annoying watching it when they try and force him into the Robin Williams mould. When they just let him do his thing, it's... just flow like it's like we said in the spoiler spoiler free review the second act of the movie is where it really sings yeah so it's from the cave of wonders after genie turns up well all the way through after the first few shots of genie turning up the first few shots of genie are kind of gross you'll have seen the blue the big blue genie in the trailers in the first preview where we were like oh no um it's really not that bad in the finished product Mm. um i it's when the genie is in motion it's not gross. When it's in sort of like restrained close-up of him and yeah. moving, that's when it's weird. But even then, like, I I just kind of got used to it and was like, oh, actually, this is fine. This is this is the genie. I think it... This is him. <laughs> it be, him being a magical creature kind of... Um, helps you helps your brain gloss over the uncanny valiness of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, with the way they present it. And also, they spend a good amount of time... As, you know, normal Will Smith. He does spend more time with Big Blue Genie than I thought they would. Especially yeah. given the reaction to... Um, the trailers. That, the trailer yeah. stuff. But I imagine they've already shot most of it, ready to do that, or done most of it. So, you know, you can't do something the head job with it. It was quite uh, late in the game that we got the first Blue Genie. Yeah, so yeah. Like three months ago. But I imagine they would have had to, because of the fact that his legs are missing, yeah. when he's the Genie, then I imagine they would have had to have shot a lot of it in a way that would allow for them to... For that yeah. to happen. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of shots in this that show decisions made in the edit contradicting what was done on the day in yeah. a very jarring way. We mentioned it briefly in the spoiler free, but one jump ahead. Oh, it's is really bad. Criminally, it's really bad. Badly edited. Like it's really badly and, edited. And, and, and how many things? Because it's one of right the... down to like three shots yeah. just being sped up shots. It's gross. It's really weird. I remember when people mentioned it. Uh, really but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look it. like it's been sped up, though. It looks like it's overcranked because the mm. lip sync is right. Yeah, but that's the thing. So that means that it was recorded slower for those shots, but not for every shot. So I wondered if it was an effects thing and someone just fucked up. Because people had mentioned last week that there was bits where it looks like it's sped up. So I was looking for that almost at first when I watched it. And there's a bit early in the routine where they're singing, where they're moving in very slight slow motion. Yeah. But the vocals are to time. So it's like, oh, so they're sort of emphasising the surroundings or the action by doing it slow. So that means that when they recorded it, they were singing it quicker. Yeah. Like at, say, you know, uh, you know, uh, minus one speed or whatever. I'm terrible with all that jargon. But like, they've done that. 
so that they can speed it up so everything's got a slightly slower thing to it or what have you. Like, okay, that's cool. I get that. Except. Except. Then it suddenly has a shot where everyone's moving and fast forward. Yeah, it's really whilst weird. the vocals are set to the track. It's like, what? So that means I had to record that with them saying it extra slow? And it was worrying because I had seen... I had seen... We'd had Arabian Nights as the opening, mm. which is actually a really good... Op- when when you get that first swell of music into the first chorus of Arabian Nights, I got mm. a little chill. Yeah, oh yeah. And it goes the Arabian Night, and it's oh well, hello. No, you put a little bit more, a little bit more flavour on it there than the film version. Yeah, well, I've got the film version isn't last year. Um, the film version's an auto-tuned Will Smith going Arabian Nights, like Arabian. It's like okay. Um, I don't know if it was auto-tuned, but he could do with a bit more vibrato. Bit, bit. Could definitely could have done with a bit more, put a bit, put a bit more Dutch on it. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but I think um, his singing in this was pretty good, pretty damn good. Yeah, the um, Prince Ali clip we've, we've been judging is still has it, way it's still as bad on its own, and in the film they've not changed it. No, but in context it works better. That's all it needs, all it needs really, is it just needs to be like five ten BPM quicker. Just to help it pop a bit. It's just too slow to really have that energy behind it. Which, again, can work. The Broadway version of Prince Ali is more of a swing number and it is slow. It's like, hey, clear the way in the old bazaar. Hey, yeah, this is a swing number. But that's the thing, it's the style. Like, the style of that one is like, I think he comes out in Cab Calloway, kind of like pimp suit. And yeah, he's yeah. leading this parade that's shown up to the palace. That's... And it works really well. Whereas that's this version cool. is like, it's a massive frick off parade. But it just—I don't know. Uh, I've got—I've got nitpicks. I have things that I really didn't like because, like, I—I I thought it was fine. Yeah. There's stuff I really like, but the, the rest only... of it was kind of like eh. one that is a stupid nitpick. But it okay, me. touch nothing but the lamp is emphasised so much, and then the treasure room and the climb up to the lamp is covered in shit. Yes, and they're touching stuff all the time. Yes, but then Abu touches one ruby, and, it, and it's like, hang on. I'm sorry. Yeah, the what? difference being that he... I could get it maybe to... if they pocketed it. Yeah, he... What, no. It was like, t- don't take anything but the lamp. I could get that, but it was touch nothing but the lamp. This is where me and me and you differ, because yeah. I am willing to do more mental gymnastics to justify things. Oh, okay. Why. Okay. Because I was thinking about this, because you said it in the screen. It was the fact that he was going to take it. Yeah. Okay. It's a, mag- it's a magical curse. Yeah. It knows the difference <laughs> between you touching something, because it's in your way, because they make, the, they, so I think it's because I'm thinking it. of the animated one, and the animated one, he, yeah, they literally yeah. touch nothing, and then Abu touches that ruby, yeah, and that sets off the the chain of events. But also, you can see it reflected in his eyes, yeah, in the way, in the way that they, when when they're earlier on, when they are looking at the sapphire necklaces and stuff, and you mm. see them reflected in Aladdin's eyes, and in a, in, a, in Abu's eyes before that, and they have to snap each other out of it, yeah. So he's that was quite funny because he's Abu not just yeah. slaps him on the cheek. But I think Abu was really good in this. I wasn't huge on Abu, but I think it was more the I execution. Thought, yeah, I think as weird as it sounds, I think him being a real monkey lost something. I mean, obviously it was a CGI monkey for the majority of the film, but like lost something that the animated one. There was a spark to that animated one that was lost I in think translation. The thing with with, with made in the stage show doesn't try to do a version of Abu. Like it brings yeah. back Aladdin's friends from the original draft. But of it's the hard, that's harder to do on stage. Without, True, but they made but they made but they made Iago, um, uh, sort of Jafar's like. Uh, sibling or servant and sidekick in the stage show. Yeah, I suppose. Iago works fine in this, though. 
Yeah, Alan Tudyk again. It's Tudyk, yeah. The, the, the Tudyk um, is back. Um, he's, he playing is a, like Gilbert Gottfried's Iago, a sadistic Iago, albeit yeah. one that speaks more in realistic parrot speech this time. Still still says, like, he's not parroting, he's speaking. Yeah, but it's but obviously it's, phrases yeah. he's learnt, and he gets it. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's not he's not sort of going, Hello, my name is Iago. <laughs> but he, he's, yeah. he's, you know, he's saying things that he's probably picked up along the way, but they all completely match, like, what's I know, happening. I got the so, sense that he is... Rather intelligent. Yeah, he's intelligent enough to be used, even if he's heard well, the words. Well, to be fair, Jafar's possibly done stuff to him anyway, because he, 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 he spies for him and gives him information. Yeah, Jafar has magical powers in this, although the, I think you you were a bit... You were a little concerned that the, the, the magical powers were inconsistent. Yeah, I didn't feel they were inconsistent, it's just they never really explained the limits of them, so... They, they, the rules never really came up. So. Whoever has the gold makes the rules. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you get the sense you get the sense that he's got some mystical training some learning on purpose, but I don't know. Maybe if they'd lent more into his magic, do you know what I mean? It would have been like, okay. Like he knows when to use it, he knows when to be selective, but the way it played, it was just kinda like the only times he really used magic was because he did it at the same time in the original. Yeah. And it, it, this Jafar's got a very different story. Um, in the original, he lusts for power. In this, he does he does lust for power, but he doesn't realise that he lusts for power. He thinks it's because he wants to lead the noble cause of warring with all the opposing cities because he thinks Agrabah will fall. Yeah. But we don't see any evidence of the threat of the outside world. No, it's all informed, isn't it? Yeah, and it's all told to us by Jafar, who we realise the more it goes on is just lusting for power. So it's like, what, huh? Do you know what I mean? Like, I felt like we... Yeah. And there was so, so many little things, like, he can teleport Aladdin to him with a bang of his staff on the floor before he even becomes, like, a big old... Oh, no, it's when he becomes a sorcerer, he can do that. Yeah. And yet, when Aladdin and Jasmine fly off with the lamp on the carpet, he has to walk into Iago, make Iago giant and chase them, when it's like, just bang your staff, dude! Bang your staff! It'll be in front of you! Um, Maybe you can only do one at a time. True. I don't know. But then he's not the most powerful sorcerer in the world, is he? Depends how how many how many people the sorcerers can teleport. Maybe other sorcerers can't teleport people at all. I did like the... Uh, I think the execution of the, the, the double bluff to make him screw himself over yeah, the end was, was done quite well. Bad. Even though he's, he's sequel bait screaming. It's like, I'll remember this, I'll get you, Aladdin, all this, all this. It's, it's not it's not sequel, it's more yeah. it's more villain thingy, but in a way where it's less definitive than sort of the original version. So it's yeah. like I, I feel like they did it on I think they I think they made a conscious decision to make sure he villain ranted. But it also can't, so you can do it. Wasn't the that definitive in the original film because they had a sequel called The Return of Jafar. Yeah, but the original film doesn't feel like, oh, maybe he'll come back one day. No. It feels like that's the end. Yeah, it was. Dead but they still had a sequel called The Return of Jafar. you out! Boom. That was quite good. Um, Will Smith got some nice hefty emotional moments. Yes. Yeah. Like the, the the idea of his freedom and what it meant to be respected and talked to as an individual and not just a slave was it's like I say, so you just, well played. You just let Will Smith do his thing hmm. as a genie rather, Which, than be, rather than be like, oh yeah, do Robin Williams. Because Robin had those moments but he had to do it vocally and he yeah. did such a good job. 
Will gets to do it completely with his face, and he does. So it's they're, they're quieter moments. Yeah. And the bit where he starts is like, well, I mean, no one's ever actually asked me about that. Yeah. Before. And it was like, oh god, yeah, oh okay. You realize how lonely he's been. Also, in this one, he's been in the lamp. He's been not been used for a thousand years. Yeah. So this genie's been used more over time than the last because the original was like ten thousand years. will give you such a prick in the neck. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> there's that. His human stuff, the, the sort of Loki Hitch sequel was great. Yeah. Um, As someone who doesn't like Hitch, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was okay with it. Dali is great, so fucking great. Um, she's a princess. Oh, aren't they all? Right. <laughs> the original lines, oh! the original lines were great. The Prince Ali fucking up his introduction thing. I now get why he's awkward during Prince Ali. Although he does find his feet through it. He does find his feet eventually. Again, it works like, better in context. He's all in that clip. Better. And that is... that The cringe comedy of that scene is so brilliantly played. I think that was the bit the strongest Aladdin was in the film, weirdly. Yeah. Which is why I'd like to see yeah. him in an action... Because he's pants at the start. I'd like to see him in an action comedy. I think that I think he fell flat on the romance. He just fell flat. But maybe he fell generally. flat just because he was playing opposite the MVP of the film. Fucking Naomi Scott, man. She's incredible. She's so good in this. She's absolutely brilliant. Just the the the, the power behind the reprise of uh, Speechless, mm. which again, which like so much of the music in the in the film, doesn't really work as music alone. But when it's paired with the visuals, when you see what she's doing with it, just you know when movie actors get used to a certain way of delivering things, yeah, because they they think more of film sets. Yeah, I get the sense Naomi's if not theatrically trained, is very theatrically minded. Because... It's just raw emotion. she was on screen yeah. during the songs, during just little quirky moments, like when she's bullshitting to Aladdin at the top, pretending to be the handmaid and everything. She's acting with her eyes like crazy. Really? She was the most expressive character in the whole film. It's just the way you see her in the, in the reprise of... Um... Speechless. In, 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 the reprise, in the reprise of Speechless, when she, she, her eyes are red... She's acted she she act through the songs. She's, act, she's yeah. She acts through the songs. Everyone else looks like they're doing the and uh, mine to play back and we'll go. In a way that you don't always see in Which when everyone's um, doing it, like it's just you just take it part and parcel. When everyone's miming, I mean. You just yeah. sort of take it part and parcel. You don't think of it. But then when someone's putting that extra level of effort, you know she's emoting and singing her heart out on set during those bits because you can see it. You can see it in her performance. She's incredible. And I want to see more of her in more things going forward because of this movie. So if this movie, if I can be thankful for this film for anything, it's Naomi Scott hopefully being in more things now and speechless. She's British, by the way, which is probably where the um, theatrically minded yeah. well, there you go. thing comes from. If she, I think, I think she's probably. I think we, I think we were. I, if I remember correctly, I think we said that she and Becky G were like the standouts of Power Rangers as Quite well, possibly because they were just like incredibly convincing she was definitely a, a standout in, in Power Rangers uh, she go-goed she go-goed Power Rangers um, <laughs> great as always I don't know Jafar just felt yeah, like a bit of a damp squid to me overall there were some scenes where Jafar's sort of under the surface seething hatred worked really well but there were plenty of other scenes where it didn't quite work as well yeah um, I can't really find much about her training and and background. Um, but I found her address. Yeah, so we're gonna go interview uh, her right now. 
<laughs> yeah, I... Oh, she's been... Yeah, she's been performing, like... Started in church bands and got spotted for... And signed up for, like, singing stuff. So she's been at it for a while. She's really, really good. She's really good in this. She absolutely shines. And I can't wait to see her in more stuff. Cannot wait. Whereas in the Mena Masood, um Yeah, he's done a bit of... He's Egyptian-Canadian. And just... Yeah... Doing bits of TV and bits of TV and bits of TV. Um, but I don't... Whatever... Whatever spark it was that the team um, saw in him mm-hmm. when they when they got him for Aladdin, I did not see it on screen. Yeah, I just didn't see it. As weird as it sounds, I think it's, when he was giving them smiles and stuff, I think it was like, oh, he looks like the cartoon brought to life. Yeah, that kind of. But like performance-wise, he... just I d- didn't do it for me. Yeah. Didn't like you said, Will brought out the best in him. Yeah. As Will Smith often does. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. That's, um, what he's, that's one of the things... He's, that's one of the many things he's good at. But yeah, I... Three... As I said in the spoiler-free, three stars, like... Uh, Alright time at the cinema. I'm not going to be buying that one and putting it in the collection anytime soon. No. But, um... I mean, Jungle Book was my favourite of the live-action interpretation so far, and I've still not bought that. It's, so. a, it's a solid fine... Yeah. So solid, alright. Tonight! And I'm gonna... Tonight! Wash it out of my mouth by going and seeing Godzilla King of the Monsters. Which we'll be talking about... Next week! Welcome, one and all, to the end of the show. If you want to get in touch with us, let us know what you thought about Aladdin 2019, or indeed Godzilla King of the Monsters, if you've seen it before we start recording next week, at BigDamnCast on Twitter, BigDamnContact at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash BigDamnStream, where Matthew, with his eyes and face, will be streaming many a pleasure. Many a pleasure. What's your pleasure, sir? Let me take your order. Jot it down. Uh, You can also, if you're not already listening on one of the other platforms, catch us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. And until next time. No, couldn't do it, could you? (sighs) I was going to fart. I haven't eaten enough Chipotle today. Clearly. I don't want Chipotle. Chipotle has my life. Love Chipotle, but tired of the bloodstains in your underwear? Chipotle away! Ah! <laughs> <laughs>